Well, hello. It is Thursday, June 11th. Good one for you. Remember, if you enjoy this show, please tell a friend. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe, rate, and review to this thing. And if you didn't enjoy this show after listening to it, just act like it never happened. Don't tell a friend. Don't review it. Don't do any of that. Just go about your life. And I can't thank you enough for listening. I think you're going to enjoy the hell out of today. Some great conversations coming right for your ear holes. Hashtag this where I'm at. Take a picture or this where I'm at, Pat. Take a picture of where you're at, where you're listening. Post that thing on the Twitter machine so you can be a part of something special that we're making for the end of this quarantine. We're getting through this thing together. The world's getting better. Can't thank you enough for listening. Cheers. And uh, I cannot wait to talk to this man. I cannot wait to talk to this man. I think he's on right now. Kevin, you see that, Mr. Euclid? Oh, wow. You! Love it. Hey, repping it, baby. We're on a uh, radio break right now, but we're currently on YouTube. So, I don't nice. Know. Hey, you used to pack bombs in that uh, in that lip of yours. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I didn't dip. Really? What? I just got a huge lip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back in one minute. I appreciate you. Yeah, everyone I, used to think I did that. It was hilarious. People get mad at me at bars in Boston and say, hey, could I get a dip? I'm like, I don't got a dip. <laughs> the boys in here were like, this guy is in the massive Chaw Hall of Fame. That's what, as soon as we heard you were on the thing, and turns out immediately upon arrival, now he just got some big ass lips. Get off his ass, Ty. That's wild. Unbelievable. That's wild. All right, we're back in 10 seconds, you Yeah, yeah. Joining us now is a two-time, two-time World Series champion. He does not chew tobacco, but damn, he's got a big old lip. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin. <laughs> you, you, yeah! Woo! How's it going, man? Good morning. Hey, thank you for joining us. I know you're out in California, so this is a little bit of an early wake-up call. I can't thank you enough, man. Oh, man. I got three kids, so I'm, I'm up. I'm up at 6 o'clock every morning. Well, you also have a coffee company, I do believe, and a beer company. And I would assume the beer company came first, enjoyed that too much, wake up in the morning, need <laughs> coffee. Is that how this all came to be? Uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, the beer company <laughs> definitely came first. Uh, it definitely became a little bit of a snob with coffee, traveling the country and just having all these third wave artisan coffees, whatever you want to call Ooh. it. And <laughs> I was like, I just need to get in. The, I, I need to get in this thing. I mean, this coffee is just outrageously good, and I need to get involved in this. And so I found a roaster up in Portland, Oregon, and we're going to be opening up our, our storefront in uh, Southeast Woodstock in, in Portland, Oregon, if there's anyone out there, uh, in about the next month. So Loma Coffee. Here we go. Right yeah. Congratulations, you. Obviously, your incredible exploits on a baseball diamond have led you to be a great entrepreneur. Everybody knows you for this incredible batting stance, okay? And how... I would assume that this took years to get to. I, I would assume that you you tried something out, you didn't like it, let's adjust it a little bit, let's do this, let's do this. And you had massive success, by the way. Boston Connor back here, obviously massive Red Sox fan, when he heard you were coming on a show, he was like, oh, that was the lifeline of that Boston yep. Red Sox team, basically. And then we see these videos of you doing this batting. How did you get to this point? Like, How is this what you ended up with for your, your batting stance and your attack on this entire thing? Well, you know, in life, you just got to challenge yourself. And uh, <laughs> when you get outside your comfort zone, you, you really grow in life. So that, I think I just 
I was just trying to challenge myself for all those years of getting that funky stance. But can we go back. Can we go back to what cigarette is in his? <laughs> He's a cigarette uh, samurai. What kind of cigarette? Uh, it is a Marlboro Southern Cut, my friend. <laughs> wow. I like it. Well, I shouldn't say I like it. <laughs> I do like it. No, nah, he's a maniac. He, he, you, by the way, I would assume a young Connor was probably uh, screaming. Oh at, yeah. At you! <laughs> I can keep going, but I'll stop. You, uh, the 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 baseball season this year is going to be forty eight games long. This is just what it's going to be because, okay, so that's a reaction that I would like to learn more about. The MLB owners basically have all the leverage here. The players aren't even allowed to strike. It would be an illegal strike, which would be a breach of contract, which would basically the owners would be able to screw them over forever in the next CBA negotiations coming up. So this is a bad time to be in a business uh, problem for the players. They have no leverage in this thing. It seems like it's going to be a 48-game season. Your reaction immediately was like, why is that so much so? Why does it stink to only have 48 games? Well, I mean, all you got to do is look at, uh, you know, the win-loss record at the end of May. Go, go look at the win-loss record of teams in May, and you'll, and you'll see that it's not the best teams always that are at the top. I mean, there's a reason there's 162 games uh, played, because by the end of the year, you know who's on top. You, you don't get lucky, you know, and in a 48-game season, you're going to get more people that might be flirting there, even in, in the wild card uh, that wouldn't necessarily be there with 162 games played. Yeah, do the, does the Major League Baseball season probably need to go down a couple games? Yes, I 100% agree with that. But it needs to be played over 144 games or, or that many games in order to show who the best is. I mean, that's why there's a seven-game series a lot of times because that's what shows who the best team is because the the multiple pitchers you have to use and just all the little intricate things that go with the bullpen and, and, and what makes the team. So for me personally – if it's not 80, like half the season, it's not worth it in my in my mind. Okay, so that's very interesting because it's very much more so a team sport if you look at it that way. Because if you only have 48 games, you don't have a chance to use your entire pitching crew because they're only going to get like four starts, probably five starts each. And maybe those pitchers can't even get into a groove. So these guys that you have that are absolute weapons, maybe they're not even finding their pitch until game six or game seven of their series or whatever. And then we don't even reach that. Now, is there a way... And this is going to be interesting, and I don't know if it's even possible, but with the mindset that there's only 48 games, will players have to obviously come in a little bit different than they normally are as opposed to, like, we got to find it? Like, hey, this has to happen right now. Because to your point, the Nationals were 19-31 and 31 last year after their first 50 games. They go on to win the whole damn thing. Is there a way or what is it? You just have to find your groove? What is it? Well, this is, this, this is unique. We always joked around is the guys that play winter ball always were the hottest guys in April and spring training. They come into spring training, they're they're fresh, they're they've seen live pitching, they're up, you know, they're up to speed. You know, and some guys, you know, especially veteran guys, you you know, you just don't swing as much as you did as a young player. And playing winter ball, you're usually a younger player or you're a Latin player that lives in that country and you play half a season of winter ball. Uh, so right now it's just a way different you know, element in the sense of guys aren't taking live at bats. I mean, you can try to simulate it as much as you want, but your spring training is also six weeks for the pitchers. So it's three weeks is enough time for the hitters to get ready and to get in the groove. But also with that, you, you have ups and downs. I mean, the, the hitters, I mean, you're going to see guys that they might not, you know, they might have a slow start and then their second half of the season is great. So they're also, you know, th- this is a mental game too for a lot of these guys because they haven't, they haven't done this before. So some guys are going to press right off the gate. You're going to see guys go like they're going to they're going to be like oh my god we got 80 games and and 
hopefully you get the, the veteran presence in your locker room that can calm guys down and say, hey, listen, just stick to what we usually do, play our game and just do it. But, you know, the times are changing with this. I mean, 48 games, I mean, guys are coming out hot. Who's Who does this benefit the most? What teams? Now, there's obviously teams that spend a lot of money on a lot of guys and, and things of that nature. But I feel like in this particular world, all those things are, are kind of wiped off the table. Who? What team does this benefit? The Pittsburgh Pirates, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> well, it would benefit the Pittsburgh Pirates if there's no season. But, uh, <laughs> you! Come on! <laughs> sorry, sorry. Too easy, too easy. Uh, but no, I, I think uh, it, it's like everything. It's, it's the pitching, man. You get, you get the big dogs. You, you got those big three dogs that, 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 can, that can go hard during this you know, short stretch. I mean, they're going to have less outings. I mean, they're going to have less wear and tear. So it's, it, it's always pitching. It doesn't matter if you're playing 30 games. You know, if you're playing 30 games or you're playing 162, the strongest will always survive with a with a good bullpen. Nowadays, it's you got to have a great bullpen for the seventh, eighth, and ninth, and you got to have three big dogs that can play out in a seven game series. I would assume that we're going to see maybe some more full games from guys. Like maybe we'll see more mm-hmm. yeah. perfect games or not perfect games, but you get it. I think Complete we'll games, see yeah. a lot. Or more the other play. way around. Or the other way around, you're going to see less. I mean, the, the, the problem is, is we're moving in a direction where guys are trying to throw as hard as they possibly can. Uh, I mean, oh. I've never seen more guys get hit in this spring training in 2020, uh, working for the Cubs and just sitting back. Guys were getting smoked left and right. I've never seen so many guys get hit in spring training. And spring training is kind of cooled down. You don't throw it, you know, you don't go back and forth with the beanball wars. And it's just crazy. I mean, I get where we're going and I get where the numbers are of throw harder and it shows with batting average. But the bottom line is guys are getting on base more. They're walking more. They're getting hit, hit by pitches or at an all-time high. So, you know, these guys are going to come out and they're going to just – throw mud i mean you're gonna see guys throw 95 trying to throw 98 to 100 because they know they don't have the wear and tear of you know 162 when you talked about uh guys pressing did you you mean like and having the veteran leadership in the locker room to settle them down you are you talking about like batters chasing pitches out of the strike zone and pressing in that manner pressing to get hits yeah i mean that's what that's what usually happens right so when you when you get into slumps it's a mental thing you know, and a lot of what baseball is going to now is mechanics, 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 mechanics. And what I preach to them is you can keep going with your mechanics all day. I'll go show you guys, like Pat's showing you with that funky mechanics. It's, <laughs> it's not mechanics as much as they're – oh, sexy. <laughs> you are sexy right now. Thank you. Uh, you should have hit this in your debut. That's what you yeah. – yeah. There you go. Yeah. Just watch out for the TV. I saw you hit the TV. <laughs> all, right. all right. Just get to your point, all right? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean – that's the thing is everyone's preaching mechanics, but a lot of it's mindset, right? And so guys like press by trying to get hits. And when you try to like say, I need to get a hit, you chase stuff. You're not seeing the ball. You're just doing all the little things that put you in a downward spiral. So you need those veteran leaders to stick around and, and tell those young guys to settle down, calm down in the box. Yuke, this was going to be an uncomfortable question, but it has to happen. I think baseball was at its best when Mark McGuire and Sammy <laughs> Sosa were eating all of the steroids available. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> I think I think baseball when it was a home run derby every single night was there conversations in the locker room like hey they have to be on something or it would like did any because in the NFL for instance 
That conversation never happens. Even if you see somebody who's probably on something, the words are never even talked about. It's not like, hey, that person is obviously on something. Like that stuff isn't even happening because in our sport, it was such a big deal. Like if you get on there because there's physical contact and there's a chance to hurt somebody, it's a big deal. But in baseball, the more and more I watch and learn about it, especially with that screwball documentary, it feels like that was almost like a conversation that was happening and decisions had to be made. Am I wrong in thinking that, that that was the culture back in the day? Well, it was definitely a unique culture. Uh, you know, it, I was lucky that I got I got called in 2004, so this was when the whole Mitchell report was going on and all the little things within. But I mean, there was guys in the in the minor leagues that's juiced up. I mean, they come into spring training and you're like, oh yeah, great off season. <laughs> yeah, best shape of my life. Yeah, we can see. <laughs> right, we know what's going on. So yeah, I mean, it, it, I I lived it. I saw it. I was lucky that I never. I, it, I never, I mean, Lyle Alzado on 60 Minutes deterred me never to take steroids. When I watched him in that episode, I was like, holy cow, this poor guy, man, and what he's gone through and with the cancer and all that stuff. I was like, that's it. I'm not taking it. But there was guys that were, yeah, I mean, it was open. I mean, guys were joking about it. I mean, guys would laugh about it. Uh, and and it, it was just different. It was a different time. And I was lucky to see both sides of it, though. So uh, it's good that they cleaned it up in a lot of ways. But you're right, though. I mean, you know, I, I think there could be a league out there that oh. do, take whatever. <laughs> hey, man, whenever they were stepping in there, and I mean, Mark McGuire, he was literally walking like this at one point <laughs> in there. I mean, it was just baseball was at the top of the world. I, by the way, the only other time that I've seen baseball at the top of the world outside of Boston, obviously that Red Sox win after, I mean, the Red Sox. Some of those moments that you guys created up there were just next level. And obviously the Yankees, and I'm not talking about regional conversation, but when that Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa thing was going, that was international conversation. And then the only other time I've really felt that is when the sign stealing thing happened with the Houston Astros. Everybody on earth was talking. People like me who never played baseball growing up, I know nothing about the intricacies of the culture of baseball and stuff like that. Sign stealing is something that has always happened, right? That's why uh, uh, catchers have to change their signals. That's why when somebody's on second base, there's a lot more stuff. Like that's always been a part of the game. The fact that the Astros took it one, four, ten steps past that. Is that why it was such a big deal in your eyes? A hundred percent. And 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 granted, listen, I, people are going to say I'm biased because I'm siding with players in a lot of ways. The players were totally wrong. But I think if you evaluate and look within what happened, this was stuff from the front office. This was stuff, you know, with algorithms. I don't know any of my baseball player friends that had Microsoft Excel spreadsheets trying to figure out what pitch was coming. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> There's maybe two guys on the team that know how to use Excel. And so, like, I was, like, laughing about all this. They'd blame the players, and the players would be blamed. But this, this goes farther back into the front offices, and those people need to be held accountable just as much as the players are. I just don't know if Manfred's ever going to do that. The piece of metal is just going to go no. bounce around to wherever, whoever's got the algorithms. I mean, how about the, like, even like watching Screwball? I mean, if you watch Screwball and you, and you listen to the stories, I think that's one of the hardest parts of where we're at right now with our commissioner is the backstories are, are, are tough to, to listen to and how he handled those situations, let alone this Houston Astros scandal. And I think – it's just a mess and it's it's a horrible look for baseball and for me personally this comes when you know a lot of the times i live in silicon valley i see a lot of the stuff that goes on in silicon valley it's not always good what goes on in silicon valley and we're kind of endorsing these people into the game and i think it created this problem 
Well, speaking of Silicon Valley up there in the uh, Moneyball game, our Moneyball movie, you were you were uh, mentioned in that movie for being a guy who gets on base all the damn time. That had to feel pretty good when you watch a movie that's basically saying, hey, we shouldn't pay players, but then your name pops up. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I see how this is actually a good thing on this, this movie. That's a pretty massive compliment, though, to see that the people who even don't like big name players are like, hey, Euclid is a guy that would be great bang for the buck. He's on base all the damn time, this guy. Yeah, it, it definitely was a game changer uh, back in the day. I, it was funny because people were like, hey, well, what do you do? What do you? And then like, people were trying to pick my brain. I was like, I don't know. I kind of just try to get a good pitch to hit and hit it. And if I want it, <laughs> I take it. You know, and people want this like, like robust answer that I can like, you know, sit down and define and, and map it out with an algorithm myself out of my head. I'm like, no, I just try to see the ball, hit the ball, keep it simple and not chase pitches. But I was pissed off that Brad Pitt didn't play me. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I, I, I very much understand why you're angry. I mean, the it, it is tough to tell the difference between you two. I, I mean, now that I've talked. Right? Yeah, now that I've got to doppelganger. see. Doppelganger. <laughs> I mean, if there is a doppelganger, yeah, I'd say Pitt. Yeah, you, when uh, you left Boston and went to the Yankees, I know like it said that A-Rod and some of the guys uh, like welcomed you with open arms. Was, but was that tough at all, like getting acclimated into New York? Like, Did you take any heat from fans or anything on a regular basis? Oh man, I took heat from I took heat from Red Sox fans. Uh, I took I even took heat from Yankees fans. There there was a guy at spring training that wore me out every day. <laughs> I would take the field. <laughs> he wore me out every single day, and I was like, "What do you want me to do, man? Do you want me to change what I did in the past? I can't change it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We won a couple times. <laughs> My bad. But." I, it, it was it was interesting in a lot of ways, but I had a lot of Red Sox fans. I mean, you know, getting traded away and how I and how I left Boston, a lot of fans were very empathetic and understood. And for me, the reason I signed with the Yankees was I had offers to go to maybe three or four different other teams, and a couple were just in rebuilding mode, and they wanted a veteran you know presence there to kind of help out. And I tell people, listen, I don't play the sport of baseball to to lose i'm I, that's not what i do you could pay me more money that's not going to happen i was offered three-year deals i was offered bigger and i took the one-year deal because i like winning and i thought the yankees gave me the best chance out of the four teams to win because 162 games and you lose it is oh. awful oh. so that's why i went there i like winning i still like winning. <laughs> the um you know boston fans are awesome Watching what they did to Vinatieri, when Vinatieri went to the Colts, wins the Super Bowl with the Colts, every time we went back to Foxborough, the things that were said to him before the game, very nice. Things said to him during the game, despicable. <laughs> and then immediately after the game, congratulations again, right? I think the Boston fans are such a loyal, passionate bunch. I mean, it's real. I mean, they're like that. Tom Brady, a man who you are uh, pseudo-related to, if the internet's accurate, he chose to go down to Tampa Though New England fans have such an interesting feeling about this because they feel as if he should have stayed with Belichick, but now he's going down to Tampa. Have you had any conversations with the man's on his expectations, and how long do you think he knew he was going to get the hell out of there? That's a that's a really good question. I, I think if you know Tom and you understand him, all he cares about is is, is just is winning, and just his mindset every day is about. His body, his mind, everything is about just football like all the time. And his, he, he really, you know, he, I think he kind of knew like his free agency was coming and he was kind of trying to see what was going to happen. And, 
you know, being a free agent is kind of exciting. I, th I think what people don't understand as a professional athlete is that is your opportunity to finally have the power to figure out what your future and path is. So I think he was pretty excited about trying to see what was out there. And, you know, for us, he, he, kept, he kept a lot of things behind closed doors and he didn't let us know that he was going to Tampa Bay until the day that he did sign. So oh. he kept it under wraps and, you know, and he, he just, he, and for me, I told him, I was like, Hey, if you ever want to talk about it, let me know. You know, I know free agency's tough. And I reached out to him. I said, it's not easy. And it's a mental grind at times because you're hearing many different things. So, but you know, I think he's going to have a good time in Tampa. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons. A lot of weapons, you. So you have a beer company and a coffee company. Has Tom Brady tried either of those? He has. So he's actually been here to Loma Brewing Company. Shout out. Uh, shout out Loma. So, shout out Loma. Yeah. Can we come? Hey, can we come there? Yeah, we, that's a place we can visit. Oh, for sure. I, I, I can set up the studio. I got my podcast thing in the back. Oh. You guys can set up the studio right in the back. Yep. Okay. See you tomorrow. <laughs> okay. See you tomorrow. <laughs> All right. So we're doing You might it. not want to come here, though, because uh, this county is a little rough right now with COVID. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to do much here. Oh. Yeah, sorry. But you well, know, asymptomatic when people when don't even carry it. It's what I've been Come told. Come on in. Hey, you're damn right. That's not a place you. Hey, you know where I want to go? I want to go to where they're locked down because of a pandemic. <laughs> Let's fly in there. What's up, Dix? Uh, you, Pat is uh, maybe taking some stuff from uh, some live pitches from Trevor Bauer. Do you have any uh, tips for him? Yeah, what should I be looking for with Trevor Bauer power hour outage? Uh, a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> what pitch? We have to go to a radio break in 30 seconds. Can you stay on after that for YouTube yet? Yeah. Okay, so if I cut the conversation off, that's what I'm doing. What was a pitcher that you won against? I should wait 30 seconds because this is going to be a good answer. So we got 20 seconds. You, uh, Loma Brewing, what do you guys got? Just a bunch of beers over there? <laughs> yeah, so we got, yeah, we got a pale ale. <laughs> Nice. We got, yeah, we got we got a ton of ton of good beer right now. Five seconds here, okay, Yuke. All right, please. Hey, we'll see you on the other hour, our side of the hour. This is the Pat McAfee show. Okay, Yuke. Who are some pitchers? Okay, that you knew you were potentially in for a long day with. Like, who was a pitcher who had your number, and why was that the case? Oh man, there's a there's a lot of them that. Uh, <laughs> whew, but you know, it's it's interesting. Everyone always expects me to give this answer of like the the, the ace, right? The Roy Halladay, the the Mariano Rivera. Jason Frazier, a relief pitcher, always owned me. Like I, I couldn't figure the guy out. I couldn't like I would I'd be like, all right, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna throw fastball away, fastball inside. Then it's like, okay, slider's coming, fastball down the middle. I was like, oh my God, I'm just in my own head. I mean, I got up to bat every time thinking this guy has mind control. He had Devo on me. Like, he, was, <laughs> he was in my head the whole time and I couldn't I couldn't do anything about it. So Jason Frazier was my guy, but uh, you know, Scott Kazmir was a, a starter that always gave me some grief. I mean, he had a nasty slider that uh, was hard to uh, pick up. With Mr. Frazier, you're just sitting in that box back in your little corner, okay? You got the thing there, and you're <laughs> waving at him, right? But in your head, there's an entire, like, well, I'm fucked. I, got, I have no <laughs> idea. That's what's going through your head literally while you're sitting in there. Time, please. Jesus. <laughs> Is that, full Durham. It's a Full Durham, you know? It's a full it, mental want, game in there, right? huh? Sorry. It's a full mental game in there, huh? That's literally you're 100%. trying. hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. The mental game is like you get in the box. Bull Durham, when you see that scene where he's like, get get the girl out of your head, get the girl out of your head. You know, Annie, like that is so true, man. Like you get in there and you're like, 
all right whew. and then like all of a sudden your like thoughts just keep coming and you're like dude shut up and next thing you know it looks like 105 and it guys throwing 92 <laughs> and you're like oh my god i just can't even see the ball so it, it, it's a crazy game i mean the baseball the baseball season you see the highs and lows and it's kind of one of the best things that's ever happened, like happened for me because it teaches you so much about after the game. You know, when you get yeah. into business or you start working, you're going to have highs and lows and you just got to grind through them all. Yeah, I think sports does so much for your mental toughness. Honestly, I mean, so I got like 27 death threats after the worst night of my life. But if it wasn't for that, the worst game of my life, if it wasn't for that, there's so many other moments where I wouldn't be able to like lean on that type of stuff. You know, like that's a, I think that's why sports are so damn important, so damn impressive. And if baseball comes back with 48 game season, I hope we can talk to you again about everything happening during it. For sure. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, sport, sports are, are, they open you up to culture too. I mean, for me oh, yeah. personally, the culture is the biggest thing that has been brought into from college at University of Cincinnati and meeting so many people of different races and ethnicities and then going into pro ball and meeting guys from all over the world that have come from different cultures, different backgrounds. It was the best learning experience of my life. And I think that's why sports are so important for youth. I mean, you got to bring you know youth people from all different walks of life together to play. And what you find is you're focused on sports. You're not focused on the other things, you know, that the outside society has. So, you know, sports are a great thing for our society. And hopefully we can get back to some normalcy in the, in the pro sports world. Amen, Yuke. We agree. I agree completely with that. Whenever you get to learn about somebody from somewhere that you've only heard about, it's a whole different world. And I think locker rooms, sports do that for a lot of things. And I'm happy to hear that baseball is the same damn way. I still wish they'd all eat all the steroids on earth. But the fact <laughs> that they don't makes it a cleaner game. Ladies and gentlemen, two-time, two-time World Series champ, owner of the Loma Brewing Company and the coffee named... Loma Coffee Company. Loma-coffee.com. What is Loma? Loma is the Spanish for the hill. We're surrounded by hills here. And Los Got well, when you come here, we'll show you the hills. We'll, we'll go walk up the trail. We'll show you them all. There we go. Get the COVID-19 out of the Lomas, and I'll be on my fucking way. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Euclid. <laughs> Thank you, man. That was awesome. Shout out to Roman. Obviously, everybody knows Roman is the men's health brand that is trying to help you be the best you. Whether it's hair products, skin products, you name it, they have it to make you the ultimate you. The thing that we are currently uh, selling you and informing you about is quarantine sex is a real thing, okay? Get a little bit boring. Why don't you have some long sex? Why don't you have the best sex you've ever had in your life? Why don't you have sex after rubbing some Roman swipes on your shaft? Yes, Roman swipes are these geniusly crafted swipes that you rub on your baby maker moments before fornication, and it'll make you have longer, better sex. And it won't transfer to your partner, so nobody will even know that you were taking a performance-enhancing swipe. It arrives in your door, at your door, Indiscreet packaging. It's small enough to go in your pocket. Nobody will know you have it. And nobody knows that you have a secret weapon, a tag team partner in your pocket that's going to make you have longer, better sex. And right now, go to GetRoman.com forward slash Pat. Get free two-day shipping right now. It's a good deal. It'll make you better in a sack. GetRoman.com forward slash Pat. And we're live. 
Welcome to McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am the first name in that name, uh, McAfee. To my left, the Hawk portion of that, Mr. A.J. Hawk, who has won a Super Bowl. Ever heard of it? Oh, no. oh, oh, oh shit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you kicked off in the Super Bowl your rookie year, Pat. Oh. oh. Big deal. Well, we lost that game, but it was a big deal at the time. You won. We got a chance to watch you beat I'm sorry, lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, just a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? Did, no, you won nah, that yeah. game. Yeah, you won that game against Pittsburgh Steelers. It was on television a couple weeks ago. Live sports seem to be coming back, AJ. And one of them, I think that you and I both are pumped up about, Fight Island has been announced. It is in Abu Dhabi at Yas Island. <laughs> and there's already fights being named. Daniel Cormier is fighting Stipe uh, Miocic from Ohio. They're fighting each other at Fight Island. Uh, they have their own plane to take people to and from Fight Island. Dana White said that he has an island he is creating for people to fight on. This was at the beginning of the quarantine. Now it is coming to fruition August 15th. No, they're not fighting. Is that when it is? Fight Island's August 15th? No, it's no. before that. So they're not fighting on Fight Island. No, no but Fight Island is happening. <laughs> yeah. Big time fights happening. And good for Dana White. He's potentially also fighting Dan Lebetard at Fight Island. AJ, big UFC fan. We're a big UFC show. This has got to get you pumped up. Got to get the blood boiling a little bit that the island thing happened in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, that, Dana... Had been talking about this forever, I guess. Then, what a, a day or two it leaked out that it was going to be in Abu Dhabi, and Dana has confirmed that and said all of the precautions that are in place. There, well, there's a 10 square mile area where it's only going to be for fighters and trainers and stuff. Is that what it is? The island because Abu Dhabi's the middle of the desert, right? So, is the island just going to be a metaphorical thing that they are away from? Like an oasis. Like they're kind of like a biodome? Or is this an actual... Yas Island is an island, though, so I believe it, it probably does They have fought there before. They fought in the past here. Really? So this isn't like a new place? This is just remarketed? Yeah, I guess. I think Dana signed some kind of deal with them to put however many fights on this island. I think they, they've added... that Dana said there will be an octagon on the beach, I guess, probably for people to train and maybe for them to get some good-looking photography. Is this a picture of the island? It technically is an island. Well, they make islands in Abu Dhabi. I mean, they make their own islands all the time. Yeah, they, they, there's so many billions of dollars over there. Jeff Bezos looks like a cuck over there. So, I mean, <laughs> it is a very, I mean, he does. He looks like a beta over there. That is just, that, that oil money is a, uh, a, a tall stack of cash. And that's what happened with Abu Dhabi, right? The people uh, who had all the money, or uh, Dubai, right? Is Abu Dhabi in Dubai? Oh, I don't know. We should know more, I guess, about this. But Dubai was created, United Arab Emirates, I believe. It was literally created because people had money. They want to build their own country. They build that thing up. Now it's like the nicest country on earth. Uh, Abu Dhabi, I'm not sure of the ins and outs of that, but it looks like that is a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous place. And Dana White is like, you know what? We'll do it here. Let's put an island up here. Good marketing, calling it Fight Island, by the way. Good, good marketing there. I'm, I'm all about a good island that people are just going to get after it on. Is this a graphic of the island, or is this, this some other This is a place? graphic with a legend on it, and it looks like there's an Ikea there. Zoom in? Where? Yeah, zoom in. Because this looks like when you're at a resort, and they're trying to tell you where to head to <laughs> and where not to go to. Like, oh, the kids' slide's in the middle there, and then you got the uh, the little beach for families up on I the think. top, for adults only at the bottom. Damn. Yeah, so, so there'll be a 10-square-mile area of that island, it sounds like, that's going to be 
kind of quarantined from the rest of the people. So Ferrari World's number one. I don't know if that's an actual like roller coaster or an actual like uh, venue. Is this the coolest place on earth? How did I not know this place exists? <laughs> there is a, a where is this at by the way? Where is uh, what country is Abu Dhabi? Is Abu Dhabi a country? Uh, safe to say, I'm nobody knows. Right nobody now. knows. Okay, so I'm not the only idiot. For, for the people that are watching this later, and if they want to destroy me in the comment section, we have a guy that got accepted to Harvard has no fucking yeah. idea over here in Thailand. No, it's a city. No Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi is a city. <laughs> it's a this lot of bees. This is the capital of the United Arab Emirates. Okay, so that's where Dubai is, right? Is that not where Dubai is? I believe so. So I was right. Good. You guys all looked at me like I was wrong, by the way. Anytime I get that look from you guys, and it might be because you guys think that uh, you, you don't know the answer or that I'm wrong, it's the same look. It's always like, don't fucking look this way. <laughs> we do not know. But uh, this is going to be a big deal, obviously. Fight Island, great marketing name. Going to have fights. He's done fights there before. They just signed a deal, a bigger deal. Good for Dana. Is he going to fight Dan Lebitard over there? Is that where it's going to happen? I hope so. Doesn't it sound like it? So... It Dana and Lebitard have been going back and forth with each other, and they both sound like they are 100% in on fighting each other. Dana absolutely will take this fight. I'm just wondering if Lebitard will make this happen. Lebitard, obviously, trailblazer in the radio daily show world. I mean, the show is massively successful for ESPN for a long time, has a huge following. He's had me on the show a couple of times. Been very nice to me. I'm very, very thankful. Still got some things of that nature. But I feel like this is a bad decision for Dan Lebitard. <laughs> Dana White, he was a boxing trainer, I think. Way back in the day, he was like a boxing trainer and a boxer, and that's how he got into the fight game. And then he was training people, and then he was living in a basement. Then he said, let's buy this human cockfighting thing to the Fertitta brothers, who were his friends at the time. I feel like he has a deep history in the fight game, in an actual boxing background. I'm not sure Dan Lebitard does. But Dana White also, what, he has a billion dollars at this point. He can direct all of his attention to getting the greatest trainers on earth to just train him. And I feel like he's, he's potentially potentially going to play bongos or drums <laughs> with Dan Lebitard's face, if that's the case. And I don't want to see it. I like Lebitard. I like Stu Gotts, but Dana White would beat the shit out of that guy. It would be pretty sweet to have Dan Lebitard's dad in the corner, though, with him. No, no! <laughs> oh, see, 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 see. Throws in the white towel. Yeah, just to get me out of here. This is insane. It it feels perfect, though. Pat, have you seen it? So Daniel Cormier has come out. He said, I will corner Dana. Jorge Masvidal, who was huge on the, the Lebitard show, Masvidal said, I will corner Lebitard. So it, there's so many reasons why this makes so much sense. Dana can work out at the, the Performance Institute that he built out there in Vegas. You know he'll take it serious. Now the question is, are they going to test for juice? Uh, hopefully not, and both of these guys get on everything. Oh, let them take everything they can possibly take. However, I mean, they're a little bit older, both of them. But if they want to get on whatever, I assume they're both on TRT to begin with testosterone replacement therapy or whatever it is because that feels like you can get one of those at every single corner here in indiana i'd assume that's the way it is as soon as you get older you just sign up to do that thing get a shot in your ass get some other stuff and you just keep it moving i'm not old enough for that yet but as soon as i become the age of that probably going to happen if i had to guess but I, I i don't see how even with the baddest motherfucker jorge masvidal in his corner dan lebitard stands any chance here against dana white his life has been completely revolved around <laughs> humans fighting other people i would just assume through osmosis 
he would be a pretty good fighter. I mean, I watch one mixed martial arts fight all of a sudden, and I know exactly how to fucking make a microphone tap out. The <laughs> Imagine if you had that in your basement. Dana had a fight happen in his basement where Sugar Show was just knocking people out. I feel like Dan Lebitard is up against quite a massive favorite in this. It would have to. It is, but Lebitard's sitting in a great spot, though. Think about it. Who would expect him to win? No one's going to expect him to beat Dana White. So he goes in. Everyone's expectations are super low. So even if he goes and he doesn't win, but say he doesn't get knocked out, it's like, oh, it's a. how does Dana not knock this guy out? Like, he probably should have. So I think Levitard's, like, in a power position here, and they can raise a ton of money for it, and they both seem to genuinely dislike the other one. Yeah, what happened? Levitard said something about Dana? So it, it was on an interview. Levitard actually challenged Dana White to the fight, like, hey, we should fight for charity, and now obviously Dana's And Dana come back. heard that and was like, this motherfucker? Well, immediately, yeah. as a response, he was like, yes, absolutely, let's do it. Yeah, do not challenge Dana if you don't really want to fight. By the way, I'm a, Dana is a savage. Oh, yeah. Okay, Big boy. He is a savage. I, I don't know about his size and dimension comparisons he to He said Dan. he has 80 pounds on Levitard. And that's before he gets into whatever training camp, fight camp he would get into. As Dan Levitard... Now, this is not a knock on Dan Levitard. Real question. Has he ever played a sport in his life? Uh, like fight I think camp. that's kind of a knock. I think he would take that as a knock on him. I didn't mean it. I just didn't know. I don't know because I know him from his uh, good brain and good words on the radio. I don't know if he's a sport person. Imagine somebody who's never done a training camp before just getting dropped into a training camp and saying like, yeah, this is what you're going to do. Okay, so you're going to run till you puke in the morning. Uh, then you go and do your show that everybody, this is how you make your living. And then afterwards, we're going to do uh, probably some sparring sessions. And then by the way, at night, you're going to run till you puke again. And then you're going to wake up and do that for another four weeks. Do you think somebody, I don't even know if I could do that right now. And I've had to do that for multiple sports in my life. I am not sure that Dan, Dan Levitar is just going to go in there. And I think if I'm Dan, I'm throwing bombs early and just hoping mm -hmm. that one lands. And then maybe I'm just, is this an MMA fight or a boxing match? It's got to be boxing, I would think. I'm worried about Dan, man. He is going to die. <laughs> They're going to wear, if they do fight, they'll probably have to wear headgear. It'll be a boxing match. Like, I don't know if he can. I don't know if Dana that will like damage. that. I don't think Dana will promote the headgear and stuff like that. I don't think he would. I mean, I get, do they technically, do they have to get licensed somewhere to make this happen, though? Who's negotiating the deal, too? Because if Dan is negotiating this deal, he'll somehow have uh, smaller gloves on. Dan Levitar would be wearing big gloves. He'd be like, Dan, bigger gloves, you'll be smart. I mean, this is. Actually, you know what? If they went, they could do it any weight class with no headgear if they go fight on that uh, the reservation that Dana was originally going to have out in California. Put it on Fight Island. So not only does Dana, oh, yeah. not only does Dana have to worry about Dan Lebitard, he's got John Jones saying, "Let me the hell out of here." He's got Jorge Masvidal who's about to take the side of somebody who's about to fight against Dana. He wants the hell out. Conor McGregor wants out. Dana right now is playing full. Oh, fucking John, you can't go. John, come on. You failed 45 tests. What do you want from me? And then Jorge Masvidal was like, ah, what are you? And then Connor, I can't get you. He's doing this. And then all of a sudden, Levitard comes in. He's like, I can knock that motherfucker out, though. Like, <laughs> I can't handle this situation here. But that one, I definitely can. Let's go guns a-blazing towards that one. I just, John Bone Jones feels as if the days of seeing him dominate in the UFC uh, and then inevitably the conversation follows the next day about he failed a test or something happened or when's this going to happen. I, I think John Jones is one of those guys who could have done the Floyd Mayweather route just like five, maybe six, maybe five years ago. John Bones Jones 
Everybody was understanding this guy is the guy. This is the phenom. This is the guy who's going to be the best fighter on earth. Whenever he was doing fights, he was toying with people. I got a chance to watch him in Baltimore. Just He did the Ray Lewis entrance music. It was just like, this guy's the next big guy. This guy's selling out arenas. And then obviously all the problems outside the octagon start piling up. And I'm not sure if he can still do it anymore, but... John Jones, still one of the biggest names in UFC's history. The fact that he's not happy with Connor and Jorge. I mean, Dana's in the middle. He's entrenched in some battles right now. Dana's, of course, but Dana loves it. I think he thrives in chaos. That's like what his personality lends itself to. So I think it's, Dana doesn't mind. It, all of this stuff is still, although some of it may seem negative for the UFC, it's still publicity. Dana doesn't care. He's the only show in town right now. They're the only one putting on live sports, aren't they? AFL's back in two days. Yeah! AFL's back Thursday morning. Sharon! 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 Sharon. Guy's name? Thomas William Sharon. Whew. Handcrafted the first ever ball in 1880. Ever heard of it? Now they're doing the same quality handcrafted ball that your foot will love, I mm -hmm. believe is their tagline. Uh, that's back. July 31st, the NBA's back. The MLB is going to be back. Did you hear us talk about this in the first show? I did not. Okay, so I talked to Jet Passan. And Jet Passan. Jet Passan, just, uh, is he on call at all times for your show and this show, it seems like? I don't know. I sent him a text and he answers. But I'm waiting for the day when he doesn't answer. That does happen to me on a very regular basis. Jeff's well, good, though. Hey, the more you can do. Jeff's like, hey, I'm not just a, a baseball guy. He can come here and chop it up with you and, and talk about everything, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I think he could. He seems to have a great personality. He's good for baseball, for sure. Um, but every time I have a baseball question, I just go, he's my authority on baseball. <laughs> Jet Passon is my authority on baseball. We know any baseball opinion that you have is just a regurgitated, like, second-rate opinion of Jeff Passon. Oh, bingo. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, no, no. Also, Trevor Barr, ever heard of him? I take into account what uh, Trevor Bauer says, who's a pitcher. I take into account what Tucker Barnhart says. But Jet Passant right now is really directing the narrative in my brain on how these conversations are going. And I talked to him about, I said, why don't the players just strike? And then he led me to a conversation he had with somebody where basically the players can't strike. It would be an illegal strike, an illegal work stoppage, which is a breach of contract, which would screw the players going forward, especially with another CBA going. So at the end of the day, the MLB has all the control here. There's literally nothing the players can do. If the MLB wants to do 48 games, they'll put that schedule in and say, you got to play 48 games. That's just the way it goes. So all this hanky-panky give and take, we don't like it, pro-rate, salary cap, revenue split, blah, blah, blah. All that. It doesn't matter because the MLB at the end of the day can go, here, this is what you're doing, whether you like it or not. And after talking to Euclid this morning, that 48-game thing could be potentially detrimental to a lot of teams and players' uh, careers and stuff like that because it's nowhere near what regular baseball is. It's not. So what – what did Yuko say? Like, what would be the worst thing about having 48 games? Well, you don't, because the Washington Nationals, who won the piece of medal last year, they were 19 and 31 in there. You're talking about they won the World Series? Yeah, the piece of medal. Okay. I didn't say that. Fucking Rob no, Manfred yeah. did. Mm -hmm. Commissioner did. Oh, he did. Well, it's yes. his trophy. He said he didn't want to take a piece of medal. What does that prove? But, anyways, they were 19 and 31 in their first 50 games. And then they got hot the second half of the season. Their pitching figured some things out. Their hitting figured some things out. They end up winning the whole thing. So I think that is the 
uh, case study that everybody's going to point to. It's like baseball isn't supposed to be this short. Maybe 80 games, Euclid said, but 48 games, your pitchers are only getting like seven starts when normally they'd have 35 or something like that. It's just, it's a whole different world. And I think a lot of baseball players probably echo that sentiment. But as an average fan, I'm like, hey, 48 games, every game counts, figure it out. And they're like, well, that's just not how the game works. I'm like, well, I'm telling you what they're going to say. This is how it's going to go. But that's what Jet Passon basically said. So, but it sounds like that Major League Baseball, they have all the power, they have all the leverage, and the players just have to bow down, even though they're trying not to. I give them credit, they don't want to. Like, they think this would be bad for the game, but at the end, like you said, it would be like illegal for they can't really strike. There's they don't, nothing they don't really you have any can power. do. There's nothing you can do. I, I've tried to think about this numerous, plus, they got a new CBA coming up, a negotiation coming up. So, it's just like the thing that they put in there for work stoppages and breaches of contract and things of that nature. <laughs> It's insane. It is absolutely insane to think that all these conversations have been happening where the MLBPA is pitching things and the MLB is proposing things. It's like it, it doesn't matter if you really look into it. It doesn't matter. The MLB can do whatever the hell they want. And they hey, know how it. many guys, Pat, how many guys, especially if you're a baseball player and you're repped by Scott Boris, who seems to have so much power, contracts now moving forward. How many guys are going to hold out because owners are going to want to put some kind of COVID pandemic clause to where we don't have to pay you or whatever? And Boris is going to be like, no. If this happens again, if it flares up, we have to shut things down. My guys still get paid. Like there's going to be all kind of weird legal language. I feel like thrown in. So there was a national emergency clause in all contracts, basically, mm -hmm. where this was deemed a national emergency. Yep. It did have a work stoppage. The owners by the contract can opt to not pay anybody. I believe. If I read what I read earlier properly that dig showed me that is in there a national emergency clause is in there where work stoppage happens where the owners don't know anything what was yeah it? i think that was um that wasn't that was a clause and then they came to some sort of agreement in february or march or whatever um oh yeah because of that clause and things like of that nature and that was the agreement by the way and that's why the owners had now have the all the power yeah. that's why the, that agreement that they made re um confirmed or whatever that the strike would be an illegal strike which is a breach of contract so it's like there's a lot of things working against the players. And it always, I said this on the earlier show, it's always going to favor the owners in collective bargaining. Always is, because they get in front of it PR-wise. They float out an idea. The fans go, yeah, that's it. And then the players are like, well, that's not the way it goes. And everybody, well, the players are spoiled. Just take the fucking deal. That's how it always goes and will always be. But it feels like it's even written in there. Like, yeah, this is how it goes. You're just going to take whatever you want. Because they've been offering them different amount of games. Same amount of money, though. So the amount of money that they offered up for basically the 48-game season versus uh, if there was a 75-game season, same amount of money. The owners have already made the – this is what we're going to give. This is what you're going to make. And if you don't like it, get the hell out. Breach contract. Now we don't have to pay you the hundreds of millions. And millions! We agreed to. It's wild. So do they, if they say they play 48 games – is there any way that they can try to ramp it up and get more games by having multiple double headers and everything, which players I know do not like? Uh, I think the double header thing was one of the original proposals. Is there was like there was going to be three double headers a week or something like that was one of the original conversations. This was back when they were thinking about doing Biodome in Arizona. Mm. They still haven't figured out how teams are going to travel in the local. Thing. They they still haven't figured that out. Governors Wait, have, where are they playing? Do we know where they're playing? They have to play at their stadiums. Because the local media is such a big deal when it comes to the finances of the MLB. It's like somewhere in between 2.5 to 4 point something billion dollars a year of revenue from local radio, local television. So that was the big deal against the Biodome thing that was potentially going to happen in Arizona because all their money comes from the local marketing. So it's like, I think that that's why you saw 
Uh, New York come out and say you can play here because the Yankees wanted to the, get that back. Jersey said it. Florida said professional sports are available. Arizona. And now there's rules with Canada for the NHL. I mean, there's rules being changed for these leagues. And the MLB one was that sports could happen at the local stadium. So I think they're planning on traveling around to the stadium still. Have they done? Have they mentioned anything about having any kind of fans in the stadium, like like college football's talked about? No, I don't think there's any conversations about fans in stands. Now, granted, with every new day comes more information about this rony coronavirus. New asymptomatic carriers don't share it as much as everybody said back in the day. Allegedly, I mean, who knows who we're allowed to believe and who should believe and shouldn't believe? But at this point, allegedly. The asymptomatic carriers aren't spreading it like they thought it was. So That's maybe good news. Good news. Mm-hmm. Good news. I mean, kind of bad news because they shut down a country for a lot longer because of that. Shut down the world because of the thought of that happening. But the fact that we've learned that that's not happening, it is good news. Also, good news for stadiums getting fans back in there and gatherings of things in the sport world. I think I think we're going to see fans in stands a lot sooner than people were predicting. Now the government has to okay it and all, but you you see humans just day to day and with these protests, I thought there was a chance people would be scared to be around people again. It feels like that's not the case. It feels like it's complete opposite. People are excited to get back around people because the human uh, is a social species is what I learned on the internet numerous times. So I think there's gonna be fans back in there. Baseball, I'm not 100% sure with how quickly they have to start, but I think by fall, I think you're gonna see people getting back in the stands. Don't you think we're gonna get to the point where they're eventually going, I don't know when this may be, but they're going to give people a choice. Like, hey, if you want to go watch a college football game, 100,000 people, you can go. If you don't want to go, obviously stay away. And same thing like with, I guess, for jobs, you're going to have to have some kind of clause. Like if they want to open things up for everyone, kind of say, hey, we're open for business. If you're old or you feel like you don't feel safe, you can still work from home. You don't have to come and you, you don't have the threat of being fired still. Maybe like, don't you think we're going to get to that? Yeah, it feels like there's going to be a lot of work from home stuff. I mean, that's a good... Some people want to. I know I've talked to my buddies that work around, and they said, a lot of them are like, hey, okay, we, we took a poll, and we asked like 60% of our people who've been working from home, they don't want to come back. They want to stay working from home. Yeah, because it's just, you know, you can work at your own time. But you can't, if you're truly trying to work from home, like, and you have kids there as well, and like things going on around you, like it's, it's not the easiest thing to do to work from home. You have 17 children, <laughs> so I think yours is a little bit different than everybody else's. No, I'm, I'm, it's the same as it. I'm lucky that I have an a attic up here where there's a combination on the door that I can lock, but my kids know the combination. <laughs> you, I always wanted to put a fingerprint room in my house where it's like beds and TVs and only my fingerprint can get in. And I think What are you going to do? In, what are you doing there, though? Relax. Hang out. Probably nap, smoke, if I had to guess, and the kids are kind what of... Do you, lo- okay. What about... The other 12,000 square feet of your house. Can't you do that there? Yeah, but if I have a kid, you know, that little son of a bitch is going to find me. So I figured if I get a uh, like a hidden hidden room, only fingerprint to get in there. Then the thought came, like, well, what if I die in there? You know, I'm just <laughs> kind of stuck in a vault almost at that point. You know, that's that could be problematic Stop. as well. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things, but that's also why I don't have kids yet, because there's a lot of things to think about going forward. Uh, but, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to work from home. I believe that's going to happen. I believe tech 
for work from home tech is probably the next big boom. Zoom needs to figure it the fuck out on people's faces oh. and uh, sound matching each other. Oh. They need to up their uh, systems, I think, to keep up with the demand. I think there will be other Zoom things. But yeah, I think a lot of people are going to go home. And I do believe there will be like, uh, what's that What's that thing called? An understanding of potential injury or sickness if you go into pot. I think that will become something uh, whenever you go out into the real world. Like, hey, there's a chance you get the Rona. Also a chance you get the flu. Also a chance... You see a human poop their pants. A lot of things can happen out there in public. Go ahead and sign here and say you're okay with it. And that's probably the new world that we're in. Yep, that'll be on. That'll be in the small print on every ticket you buy, right? Yeah. Could get could get corona. Could get the flu. Possibly may see somebody dump their pants. Sign here and you can go in. Pink eye, big problem when people oh, are yeah. pooping their pants everywhere. Oh, you, yeah. you ever seen a pink eye problem over there in New York? Wait, you mean pink eye because you fart in someone's face? Yep. No, nah, mostly because the homeless bums are pooping on That's the streets or in San Fran, I know San Francisco has a serious issue with that. Oh, uh, New York, big time. I stepped in a human shit uh, like the. Uh, oh yeah, I saw three it. times I've been there. I hope you were barefoot. <laughs> I'm not a homeless man. I had shoes on. In New York. Well, I, I see all these other videos of you barefoot on golf courses and around the world. Hey, my golf game on Friday, fucking look out. Look <laughs> Did you Did out. you buy uh, 38 tee times so no one would bother you? Nah, it was at a uh, country club right next to my house. So I actually had to buy a membership just so I could golf. <laughs> there was nowhere else to go, so I became a member just so I could golf. You seem like the country club type. Oh, yeah, they love me there. But, and... I was a little bit nervous on how the no no shoes thing was going to go over, you know, because I feel like they were rather excited that I was a member. Like I, I think I they don't think care. They, they want they love your money. They love the the notoriety you bring. Everything. It's right next to my house too. I mean, it's like half a mile down the road from my house. So I, I think I have been a potential marketing target of theirs for a while now White at this whale. point. So the fact that I went over there and became a member, I think there was a genuine excitement. And it's becoming a nice place. I drive past it. I see it. They're, they're building a fitness center, all this shit. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And there's a golf. There's 27 holes. This feels good. So I go become a member. I sign up just so I can golf one round or whatever because you have to be a member to do it. So a year membership for one nine holes with a cart was a little bit aggressive, but that's why I'm not supposed to have money. But I was excited to see the reaction, you know, by all the members whenever I fucking waltz out the team number one there with no shoes on and I had this big ass hat on and I absolutely smoked a ball. I mean, I am, if my golf game is anything like it was on Friday at that country club that I'm now a member of because I had to become a member to play nine holes there, people are in trouble this year with my golf game. So when are you going to play next? Probably never. I mean, I thought about that this morning. I'm well, who's just, in trouble then? What people are in trouble? Well, just people that have to have a conversation with me about how I played this year. I played great. <laughs> I, I shot a 40. Could have been a 38 probably. I, I, I hit a couple, uh, hit two balls fat basically all day. I mean, it was the best round of golf I've had in a long, long time. And I'm like. People are in trouble, especially, Pat, if you are going to bug people about how well you're playing in golf and then you're also follow that up and explain in detail about your CrossFit workout every morning. Well, I, n I never did CrossFit because I knew the guy that found it was a fucking scumbag. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I'll probably get sued for that for like some slanderous comment or whatever, but that dude, nah, what a, f what an idiot. Well, Reebok's dropping, Reebok's dropping the CrossFit after like this, this year, I guess, Just right? Just the most tone deaf idiot of all time. I don't even know why 
There's going to be boxes for sale in every city. They, they got those boxes just on corners of cities and things like that. Those were, And a lot of the boxes, by the way, said, hey, we, we don't support what they do. We're out. It's like, well, are you going to change the workout too? Like, what are we doing here? I, I, CrossFit, gone. See you later. Unfortunately, One CrossFit. One of those things <laughs> that won't survive the quarantine. That's One of those shame. companies that won't survive. It is a real shame, you know? Reebok said, see ya. ESPN probably said, we're out. What I... And I said no to it a long time ago. Long time ago. I was ahead of that game. Why'd you say no? Just because, you know, I, I don't. I tried to go one time, and it was, I don't want to say I felt intimidated, but it was kind of intimidating. I saw somebody lifting probably 200 pounds less than I could lift, but the way they were stomping around in that box, I was like, well, I don't want to be a part of this at all. And then there's no time to really, like, you know, you got to bounce, bounce, bounce. And then there's some things I can't do. I can't do pull-ups because my legs are basically anchors at this point. So I don't want to embarrass myself in front of these humans for these things. And pretend. I just, I showed up at one. Okay, I showed up at the box. Just didn't penetrate. See you later. Looked from outside. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And I got out of there. I get it. Why not? And if this um, country club that you join now to play nine holes, that's good. I'm sure they really love you as a member, actually. Just charge your account every week or every month for your dues. 500 bucks, gotta spend it. <laughs> it's 300 bucks, 500, something along that end. I gotta spend it every single month. I gotta spend you it every- You lady, you're gonna be going out to dinner at this nice place. Sam, Sam has been very against us going to that place for about anything. She was like, I what? don't have any colored shirts. I don't know how you want me to go to this thing. We're, we're very new to this country club life. I, I don't, two story Girl, fit. Girls don't have to wear colored shirts to go eat dinner there. I forgot you were such a country club guy. I'm a Rust Belt yeah, guy. But when do girls wear collared shirts? It's a fucking golf country club. Do you know? If they're going to play golf, does your girl want to go play golf with you? No, Sam. I mean, maybe she'll ride around in a cart and, and things of that nature. But to go do dinner at this esteemed country club, I would assume that they are expecting a little bit of a collar on there. I'm assuming in in. I just don't know if that's our style. So I might never go back, by the way. They'll, they'll just withdraw money from me for probably four or five years, and then I'll realize it one day, and I'll say, um, oh, I'm going to go golf around. And it'll be like, oh, I'm a member at this place. I've been paying, I don't know, $75,000 over the last three years to do it. Now I'm getting my second nine holes in. Well, what, the good thing is that once this fitness center is done, it's only, what, a half a mile from your house. You can run to the fitness center, jack some weight up for an hour or two, and then run home, and your whole workout will be complete. You can go in the pool and shoot your free throws, and then your rebounds are going to be your swim workout as well. Pat McAfee fit followed on Instagram. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Maybe that takes over for CrossFit. Maybe that's what we do. We buy up all these boxes, and then we put them in my workout plan, which is actually leaving the box then coming back and swimming. That's not a bad idea. A fitness plan that I can really get behind. McAfee Fit, it'll work. There's no chance I run to that country club, <laughs> by the way. There's zero chance. I will. I have a golf cart I'll probably take over there. Mm. I assume maybe a car I'll take over there. And to be completely honest, I'll probably never go back there. But they're <laughs> going to get my money, and I am thankful for them. Um, Dalvin Cook, speaking of getting money. Dalvin Cook said, I would like a reasonable extension before the season starts, or I am not attending any team events. This is very, very important because the Minnesota Vikings offense, if you do recall, revolved around Dalvin Cook so much so that Adam Thielen wasn't happy after a game and Stephon Diggs 
didn't come to a practice one day. Now, after that, their offense got opened up a lot more with Stephon Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph. But the main engine in that whole thing was Dalvin Cook. He is an incredible football player. Everybody agrees with it. And if you look at the other list of running backs that are going to be free agents after this season, it makes a lot of sense why Dalvin Cook wants to get paid now because it very easily could be like the quarterback free agency situation where there's so much talent and not enough landing spots. Look at all those names. They're all going to be free agents next year. And if you're Dalvin Cook, you're seeing that, you're like, I'm getting my money now as opposed to getting into that mix. And I would assume you're going to see a few of these other guys do the exact same thing. I mean, what a, when you look at that list, like this is it's not a, a great year, this next upcoming offseason to be – a free agent running back. Dalvin Cook, I think it's not an unreasonable thing for him to hold out to try to get money. He got one year, what, 1.3 mil left on his contract. It's not like he's, he has three years left and he wants to renegotiate. Like, yeah, does he deserve it? Most likely, yeah, absolutely. He's only 24 years old. I know he's been banged up a bit through his first couple of seasons, but we saw what he did last year and how valuable he is to that offense and to Kirk Cousins' success. This guy's huge for him. Need a good running back if you want your quarterback to be good. It's just the way it operates. They go hand in hand. Especially when it's all – it's like if you look at the numbers, they they run like almost 35% play action passing game with Dalvin Cook because he is that much of a run threat. So that's huge for Kirk Cousins. Like he's absolutely pivotal. Like I don't think Kirk is the same guy without him. And if you look at the king of the NFC North, they can't stop the run for the life of them. So if you have a good running back and a good run game, that could cause big problems for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, that is an Achilles heel of theirs. Dalvin Cook knows that. Dalvin Cook knows what he's worth, knows how much he should get paid. And I think he knows the free agency for running backs next offseason is one that is not great. Travis Etienne also coming out of college, let alone other running backs that could be coming out of college. I would be getting my money now if I was him as well because you have no idea who's going to get left out in the cold next offseason for the running back free agency market. So do you think they get it done? I know GM uh, Rick Spielman said like they like to take care of the guys that they draft, that they develop. They know them the best. You think they get this done before training camp? They paid Kirk a lot, right? Mm -hmm. They paid Kirk Cousins a lot of money. He had one year left on his deal, and they re-upped him. They did get rid of Stephon Diggs, who's probably worth a lot more than Justin Jefferson is, so they might have some room in the cap. They might be able to do it. I think you got to keep Dalvin Cook. He is so good at football. It kind of gets underappreciated because the whole conversation is whether or not Kirk Cousins can win a big game, which he did last year, a couple of them. Good for primetime Kirk coming back into the world. But for me, I think you got to keep Dalvin Cook. But if it goes to free agency next offseason – Oh, if you're the Vikings, you go, oh, Dalvin, sorry, how much do you want? Uh, okay, we'll go ask James Conner, see what he wants. James Conner, what do you want? Oh, we'll go ask Aaron Jones what he wants. Oh, we'll go ask Tariq Cohen, who had a massive year two years ago for the Chicago Bears. When he's, uh, I'm sorry, we'll go to Kareem Hunt. Oh, I'm sorry, we'll go to any of these other running backs who are very good running backs, not saying that they could do what Dalvin Cook has done, but boy, that puts the team in a great leverage spot if he waits, if they wait until next year, and they know it as well, I'd assume. Oh, they absolutely do. And, and when, I wonder what a reasonable extension means for Dalvin Cook. The good thing with him, he's only 24 Let's say they sign him to a two- or three-year deal. He probably wants what, David David Johnson makes 13 this mm-hmm. year for the Houston Texans. I'm guessing he wants something around there. Like, right, right, you just popped it up. So what? 
if not surpass the 13 per year. So can the Vikings do it with their cap space? Could they give them a two or three year deal? You don't want to be signing them super long term extension. I just don't know what reasonable be- means for Dalvin Cook. So this came out. I think if they got him at this price, they would be down with it. I think that would be something the Vikings would think about. But then another article with another statement came out and said, yeah, so as per ESPN's Courtney Cronin, Minnesota's first offer to Cook wasn't deemed reasonable because it was worth less than $10 million per season. Uh, Cook's camp initially proposed a deal in the same range as Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey, $16 million annually on his four-year extension, uh, but the number has come down to $15 million in most recent talks. That seems reasonable. Am I wrong? I mean, Dalvin's asking for fifteen. Yeah, they well, he asked for Christian McCaffrey, which was above sixteen million a year. They were pitching below ten million a year. It's come down to fifteen. If it's come down to fifteen, that feels like what Zeke's getting. I don't it'll know. Happen. What's I that? feel like it'll happen if they if they they said supposedly their offer was below ten. How much below? If it's nine point two a year, guess what? And Dalvin's at fifteen. They can make up that difference. Sign him twelve, thirteen. If you want to make him feel good and have a, a tiny bit more than what David Johnson is getting, then make it happen. But if they're at nine five, they're not that far off. Courtney Cronin. Cronin. C R O N. Courtney Cronin said that they're at fifteen right now. If you're if you're Dalvin Cook, now granted, you're probably not happy that Christian McCaffrey's getting broken off, but Christian McCaffrey just got a deal that nobody expected running backs to get. So if he takes something less than that, maybe he resets the running back market to come back down a little bit. So that's probably something Dalvin Cook doesn't want to do. But $15 million a year at running back, depending on how that's much is guaranteed. It's a reasonable extension, don't you think? Depending on how much is guaranteed. If, that, if it's over $30 million guaranteed, I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that if you're Dalvin Cook. I don't... I'm not thinking for Dalvin Cook. I haven't taken the hits that Dalvin Cook has taken. I haven't done any of that. But it seems like if that's what they're trying to get is reasonable. That feels like that's a reasonable extension. And also, when you look at that running back free agency market next year, I don't know if any of those guys are going to get $15 million a year. I, any, I don't know if any of them are going to. Even Derrick Henry, who's getting franchise tag this year, who just took a team on his back to the AFC Championship game. I don't know if – just because there's so many talented guys here so many what is Todd Gurley gonna do next year all last year he wanted to play they weren't playing him they're arresting him then when he started playing him at the end of the year they started winning again Todd Gurley was an MVP like player two years ago if he has any of that for Atlanta this year his market's gonna be high Kenyon Drake has a chance to do it Alvin Kamar I mean that is a this is a stacked lineup of running backs in the I can't believe they're all up at the same time to be honest with you it, just like all these quarterbacks that were up. This doesn't make any sense. So if you're Dalvin Cook and you're getting around $15 million a year offered to you, now nobody knows if that's true or not. I think that'd be hard not to be like, okay, I guess I'll take $45 million guaranteed. I guess. But good for Dalvin. Go and get his money. It's a very smart move by Dalvin. Friend of the show. That's mm-hmm. a very, very smart move. He's a hell of a player. I love watching him play. But, yeah, and especially if they sign you to a two- or three-year extension, I guess it would – you would add that on to the one year he has left, and then you could become a free agent again before you're 30 years old. Hey, you know what I want you to do in the next Uh-oh. couple of days? What? I want you to say, you know what? I'm fucking tired of people chewing tobacco. Uh, I want you to say, you know what? I'm tired of people putting stuff in their mouth that is terrible for their future. That makes their teeth look disgusting and overall just isn't good for everything they're about. You know what I'm saying, AJ? Yeah, I know. I want you to say, you know what? Wait, who Ty- am I telling? Who am I saying this to? Ty Schmidt. You know what, Ty? You and Nick Morono, 
You know what these smokeless tobacco abusers and users, you know what they need to hear? That there is a great alternative to chewing tobacco, and that is from our friends at Canadips. Canadips is a company that has the finest CBD pouches that you could ever put into your mouth for a nice alternative or replacement to your chewing tobacco. Ty Schmidt has been chewing tobacco since he's four years old in Iowa. Ty, what are your thoughts on the CBD Canadips that we have introduced into your life within the last couple weeks? Uh, they're incredible. I actually have quit tobacco completely. Oh! Holy oh! two Canadips. Canadips have plenty of great flavors. I mean, there is this one, which is the Tangy Citrus. That's my favorite. Tangy Citrus is Nick's favorite. It is also, I believe, Ty's favorite. Mm -hmm. But there's also a mint flavor. Mm -hmm. There is also a mango mango flavor. All these things are available right now. Whenever you head to canadips.com, canadipscbd.com, C-A-N-N-A-D-I-P-S-C-B-D.com. And use promo code PAT15 for, oh. What? Oh, oh it's No, no, it's, oh. it's 50. Why is that? Why is it just PAT, though? <sighs> what happened to Lip Boomers? What happened to Lip Boomers? I feel like that was a good one. It was. was. Well, that was only for 10%. Now it's 15% okay. off, though. All right. If you, when it gets to mm. 20, it'll be called Hawk 20. <laughs> but PAT15 for 15% off the entire site. That is PAT15 at CanadipCBD.com. We just launched the cannabis strain flavor straight from the hills of Humboldt County. Ooh. Go on to CanadipCBD.com and buy the new... Z Kittles, Skittles, strain tins, oh, straight dip from Canadip CBD isn't tobacco flavored, but tastes like actual pot strains. Okay, Canadips will launch a new strain every two to three weeks. Unbelievable flavor! Can't wait for the OG Kush to be released oh, next week. Oh yeah, OG Kush Canadips is what I'm here for. Uh, and the Humboldt Collection is a beautiful one. It just launched. Go to CanadipsCBD.com. Pat fifteen fifteen percent off site-wide you chew tobacco go ahead and get rid of it get it out chew candidate cbd like our guy ty like our guy nick like our guy connor humboldt county's a wild place watched uh yeah. a documentary is awesome yeah. murder mountain right, mm, right yep hey pat i uh i saw one of your shows that you like uh came across it randomly uh whatever Songmaster. what is it called songland Song. yeah so songland jeez <laughs> i tell you what Jeez. I started to get into it once, like the, the whoever the people are on the judge, the the panel, and then the person comes and sings a song, and then I'm watching them kind of riff and go back and forth and pull, pull their instruments out, play the piano. I was like, I somehow just it sucked me in. I liked it. I it's watched a, probably 20 minutes. It's a cool show. It's a great show. You're getting to see things that like I'm a big music fan. I enjoy music, and I enjoy the writing of music a lot. Like I enjoy the lyrics a lot more than anything else. So whenever you see these three, Ryan. Shane and Esther Dean, these three really successful songwriters and hit makers for people, kind of go to work. I never knew they existed, by the way. I became a One well, Republic. BB Rexa was on it when I was there. Did yeah, you so watch, she, is she, she always there? No, she's the guest. So they bring in a musician. Those three, four people come in. They pitch songs. Then three of them get to work with the songwriters. Then they make it better. They f put the finishing touches on it. They perform. Then the song, the musician picks a song to, to use as their own. So, oh, so they can 
hopefully they'll they'll punch up what they bring these songwriters bring to the show yes and then they can record it and then they'll get royalties on they'll be the songwriter bingo you become a songwriter so it's all about building the songwriting community in nashville i guess which is a massive one and it's kind of i i opened my eyes to it when i used to jam jam to kenny chesney I used to jam to Kenny Chesney. If I was on the beach, I think his songs have deep meaning. The lyrics are good and all this stuff. I, I had this- em- write his own songs? Well, that's I, I had this emotional connection to Kenny Chesney, I thought, you know? Then he wins an award for a song that I enjoyed. And there's like 75 motherfuckers on the stage <laughs> that all wrote the song. I'm like, wait, so that wasn't Kenny that I was hearing from? That was all, I need to know about all the, who wrote that song because I have a great connection with whoever that is up on the stage. And I think this Songland show has just put into the spotlight, like the, the people that write all these songs. I love it. I like very much love it. Last night was a great episode. They came away with some bangers. And just watching those geniuses start punching up songs. Shane McAnally, I believe his name is, the little redheaded guy. Oh, yes, he's yes. a mm-hmm. cocky sucker. He, he's good, though. <laughs> he is a cocky sucker, but he is good. Talented. And then Esther Dean, she is so, they're so talented. I never knew they existed. And whenever a song wins, this is the first show where I think the judges in the talent, they're just as excited as the person that was pitching the song because they are also a, a songwriter for BB Rexa. Or last night was Ben Gu something. I never heard of the guy. Good music though. They, they picked a good song. I never heard of him. Who's the Who's the one guy judge? Is he a, the One Republic lead singer? Yeah, his mm-hmm. name's Ryan something. Tedder. Tedder. Ryan Tedder. He's a stud. I became a One Republic fan because of it. Yeah. I mean, it was. I love that song. Like I didn't Jungle. know when when you explained the show to me. I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. But then when I watch <laughs> how they started to punch up oh. what was brought to them and do it in real time, and you watch them like, okay, no, here we go. We're gonna go here. I'm like, geez, this is watching some real geniuses at work that are super talented. How about when they they tell the um they tell the drum, ah, oh, go up a half a BPM or whatever, and they're like, oh yeah, 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 and they're like, all right, move, move that down a key, and they slide it down, and it's all oh, yeah, and then they start speeding it up, and, like, and that isn't your chorus actually, that's just your bridge. We got to get to your chorus a little bit. We got to move that back. And the songwriter's sitting there like, uh huh, yep, okay, I've spent ten years on this writing this. <laughs> yep, you're right. Oh my god, you just heard it for the first. It is mesmerizing to watch, and I have a whole new level of respect for the people behind the scenes of music because of it but i literally think i'm one of the only humans that watches that fucking show i don't think there's a lot of people that watch it well i might i might start dvr it now and it reminded me of we had an assistant special teams coach one time show a clip in our special teams meeting of michael jackson behind the scenes it was a clip from that documentary that they they put they followed him before he died it was a clip of michael like talking to his drummer and a couple other musicians about like the tiniest little details of one of the songs that he wanted and it was like, geez, this, and he was about like the process and the work and preparation. That's what the message my coach was trying to get across. And it was impressive. I'm like, you just assume Michael Jackson, like someone else is doing all the music. He's like, I'm just going to work on my dancing and everything and figure everything out. But that dude was involved in every single aspect. Uh, same with Garth Brooks. Oh. Have you watched Garth's documentary, his docuseries going on right now? Did you watch it? I watched episode and a half because if you, I don't know if you know, our friend of the show, Tom Segura, does a huge chunk on garth brooks all the time on his podcast well uh garth is amazing mm. yeah he he's all in his did you watch that documentary thing oh yeah i tried he's always on the verge of tears and i'm trying to figure it out i just don't know how each confessional that he does in that docuseries it gets deeper somehow like so dramatic like i'm like man you got to be exhausted because every word that comes out is so calculated and it's it so 
passionate and deep and i'm like geez man how is how are you not just asleep at all times my dad (laughs) my dad told me the fire doesn't start unless there's a little bit of wood (laughs) and i think to find that wood sometimes you got to go into the forest of life and if you want to find that fire you got to find that fucking tree that burns the best and that is (laughs) trying to get that wood <laughs> <laughs> that is what the, the every single one every single one is deeper than the one before it and then whenever they show the clips of him like trying to set up the live show and everything i'm like okay this guy this is his talent here his live shows i guess are just remarkable i've never been but watching them train for it and him gave, he gave a speech to his team and things like it. i'm like okay now we're watching a genius work here like this is what he's known for having a great live show he sold out our arena i think 45 times in one weekend here in indianapolis i mean the guy sells out stadiums i mean he is a incredible performer but that docuseries i could not get through it just because of those fucking confessionals i was like oh my god how do you live in this it was everything was like the most dramatic mode every single line was like the more dramatic than the one before that and i was like okay i get it this is how you roll and i, I respect that a lot about but it's just i can't do it garth i i cannot do it but then you you realize why chris Gaines happened because you know every single dr- dramatic turn <laughs> hey is there more episodes i i think i saw the first two i watched the first one i'll never watch it again i just like I, no i started watching because i want to see if he talks about being chris Gaines. that's the only reason i even turned it on that's smart does he not address Chris Gaines because that's just a different human and that's not who he is? My mom. I'm not doing it. I literally, <laughs> every single thing was so deep. I should tell Jordy. Remember, remember Jordy when he came on the show? Big Garth Brooks fan. We, we mentioned Chris Gaines. Jordy was unaware of Chris Gaines. So if I got to text Jordy after this to see if he Googled Chris Gaines because he may want to try to protect his heart and not find out about Chris Gaines. <laughs> I hope for the love of everything that they were filming the behind the scenes of Garth Brooks trying to create Chris Gaines. Just with those confessional shots about if you rebirth yourself as an emo child, how will you look at the world? And that is what I'm doing. Mom said, oh my God, this can't do it. (laughs) Chris Angel, did Chris Angel copy this? I think Chris Angel is trying to look like Chris Gaines, yes, but Garth Brooks, incredible performer, He's a very, he gave like millions of dollars to the local children's hospital here. He does a lot of with Garth's friends or whatever. Garth Brooks' friends foundation. Everybody in the NFL has a link to. Not me, but everybody in our locker room went and did dinner with him or something like that. But I watching that docuseries was difficult because of how profound every single word was. And it was like, he was just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm like, this is not for me, dog. I am way too shallow of a human to be here. And You know one of my favorite things? Pat, that like Garth must have just supreme confidence in himself and what he's doing when he would he's driving his truck through his seven billion acres somewhere in Te- is it Tennessee? I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Tennessee. He's from Oklahoma, I guess. Well, but he moved Tennessee like, twice. You know, he moved first time. He, uh, oh. But he was like, he's driving his truck all dramatic up, and we're going up to the point. He's like, a lot of songs been written up here, a lot of thinking, and then he makes a fire, and it's basically like a it looks like a park with a little building with some picnic tables he puts his feet up by the fire and he just kind of just 
looks around at the surroundings, and I'm like, I understand the film crew. Like, I've been in situations where they'll ask, like, hey, this could, this would be cool for, like, B-roll. So just act natural and look around. Like, Garth was all in. Like, he probably wanted to do more takes of those that B-roll of him just pondering life and the questions he has. Well, the speech that he gave at that fire while he was sitting by himself was about not being in an island away from people. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't. I like the speech that he gave. He was like, hey, I like being a part of a family and a team and watching other people kind of succeed with you because why are you doing it if not the case? Don't put yourself on an island. Don't play by yourself. He was literally sitting on an island at the time while he was saying that. And I think that might have been a part of the show where I was like, I can't fucking do it anymore. I'm sorry, Garth. I'll go to a show. I will watch you perform your ass off because everybody says you're a great showman and watching you break down the show for sure. But I cannot take another deep dive into Chris Gaines' brain, which I think is where we're headed every time Garth starts speaking around that fire pit. I just think Chris Gaines needs to make a comeback post-COVID. How about when he's sitting like this? For the confessional at one point, he was leaning over and he was doing this. So thing. bizarre. Everything he does is so bizarre. <laughs> I, couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it because I, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't How do you take your, could you take yourself seriously? Like, that's what I always, I would try to put myself in those shoes. I'm like, all right, when you do certain things like, oh man, my brothers, my dad's going to kill me for this. Like they, if they see you doing something that's not authentic to who you are, obviously that's authentic to who Garth is, but I don't know if I, I just couldn't, hey. I couldn't stay in character. I appreciate that Garth Brooks knows that he is amassed probably $700 million doing something and he wants to spread a little bit of knowledge and I appreciate that. But I don't know. It's just like all those motivational speakers though. We went to a motivational speaking event. We were invited to one and I had to leave. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I just can't. Wait, why did you go? Because I was invited by the person that was speaking. Who? Who was it? It was a guy we didn't know. He was a guy who, uh, I forget who it was. Yeah, I can't remember. But... We had to leave because that's I couldn't. That's false. I mean, that's 100% false. You just definitely said, know who he was. Hey, come yeah, check it keep out. Going. That's all he said. Come check it out. Come check it out. Yeah, know who he was, what What's his name rhyme with? Can't. Can't even say that. because Shmoney Schmobbins? Can't say it. <laughs> no, I've, you got to pay like 10 grand to get into one of Shmoney Schmobbins things. And I, I've, I, I've watched a documentary on that guy. That is a big time trip. And by the way, I, I've heard that. that when, too. Made me not want to go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, but I've heard whenever you go, you're in, you know, you're in the, hi, and then you're clapping, clapping. And then looking at each other. Remember when they had to like, he would make people like stare in each other's faces and yell weird things oh. or say things. I was like, oh, like before this, I'd read, I've read, I read multiple things that he has written. I'm like, oh, this is cool, man. And then I watched that and I was like, oh, this is a, a two hour infomercial for his like big get together down in Florida that before I watched this, I'm like, yeah, oh, that may be a cool thing to attend someday. And then now I just check that off my list as one thing that I don't need to do. Well, AJ, you and I are a specific group of humans. I would assume that those things help a lot of people, okay? They help a lot of people. I would assume that that's why they happen, you know, giving somebody a sense of uh, belonging and purpose and things of that nature and seeing how successful people operate and the conversations and all that shit. But boy, I went to one of these things and it was my first time ever going. I was kind of excited. Kind of excited to go see it because I've heard this, by the way, mega business, these people, they, they're selling out these conference halls. You do these. I've been. I've you, been and I've watched and I'm almost jealous of the setup that a lot of these big time motivational speakers have to where you can become a trained like uh, minion of this person. And this guy at the top is still collecting money from all the people that you train to be like a certified speaker or whatever person that can get a group together and try to recruit more people. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a motivational pyramid scheme. But the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the whole thing is very interesting. But we went to one because I was invited to one. And I went, 
I was excited. I walked in. Felt Wait, the- where was it? What venue? It was in Indy. I'm trying to get a feeling of how big this person was. What, what Was that the arena? Pretty large. No, but our convention center is massive. That's why so many people come to Indianapolis. We have a massive convention center. So yeah. it was at the convention center. I think there was 7,000 people there. The maybe. room was huge. The room was one of the biggest rooms I've ever seen. But All it, for one speaker? Uh, he was a part of the... I think he was a part of the... Oh, it was Gary Vee. I'm not saying any names of who it was, but I go to this thing with Foxy, with Zito. We have seats. They have seats for us, which is very nice of them. So we get there. We sit down. They just got done clapping. Everybody sits down. It's like perfect timing on this. And this thing starts in maybe the first minute and a half. I was like, okay, here we go. And I've only seen, I think, comedians do like this type of stuff where like comedy is added into the stories and stuff like that. No, no, no. It was all motivational, deep, very, very, very intense stories about person said life and uh, coincidences that happened and a big motivational monologue on the backside about that thing, about what it taught them. And then people started clapping and then there was a clap break and then they would sit back down and then bingo, we get into another situation. I had to leave. I had to get up and I was like, this is so uncomfortable. I can't do this. I get that thing. I think it's called tack where you feel embarrassment for somebody else or you, you you like don't like i i don't want to say embarrassed because that's not how i felt about the person but i felt so uncomfortable for what was happening i was like oh i have to get the fuck out of here as quick as possible the boys the boys are also a little bit uncomfortable yeah, i believe yeah, absolutely it was very i mean it was tough it was a good one see the, the one the people that do that that are very good like it works it is very motivational it gives you like real life things that you can use but unfortunately there's a long line of people that you would never want to go see speak. I think, though, if you're going to one of those, you're kind of looking for something, right? If you're going yeah. to one of those events, you're looking. It's like sure. when people come Everyone's to Everyone's trying to get better. Like, everyone wants to improve and but, see how, what they can do to get better. But as a, a fan or an audience member, when you go to a comedy club, you're going to laugh. That's mm-hmm. why I came here. So you'll probably laugh at things a little bit more in a comedy club than you will somewhere else because you're actually going there to do that. And a gym probably going to work out more than you work out at home because you went there to get in shape when you go to these conventions and things of that nature you're going to try to get motivated so no matter what the person says up there you are going to get motivated and inspired somehow we didn't pay the whatever thousands of dollars it was we did not go to get motivated i went to learn a little bit about the person that was speaking because i didn't know them very well and i lasted i think four and a half minutes maybe maybe five minutes and i just i was like all right i i gotta take a phone call i'm getting the fuck out of here i, I can't do this i was so uncomfortable I, maybe i'm not mature enough maybe that's what Who it would is. can you think of somebody anyone out there on your radar that would hold your attention in a situation like that for an hour tim tebow tim tebow yeah well yeah i mean that's the obvious answer anyone else other than tim um, meta world peace yep yeah Hey, he was awesome this morning. Do you, I talked to him for like 20-some minutes this morning or whatever on a Zoom call. I did not expect it to be as deep as it was. He was really, really good. There's an inspirational guy, by the way. There's a guy that notably, self-admittedly fucked up. Actually said I fucked up with the Malice in the Palace thing and everything that he's come out on the other side of that from mental health and everything. He was If he was to have a one-man show that was supposed to be you know, like a motivational inspiration thing like that. I would watch that. John Leguizamo was a guy that had a one-man show that told his life story. I forget where it was. It was good. The Pest, I mean, he absolutely crushed He's a it. He's I mean, Leguizamo's like a comedian as well. It's kind of a stand-up show, isn't it? Yeah, I think you have to, though. Like, I don't know how 
the person that I was watching, and maybe they got to the comedy an hour in and I wasn't there for it, but I don't know how you don't. Usually not how it works, but yeah. I, I doubt you wait an hour to get into your good stuff. <laughs> no, the heat was brought early, by the way. The heat was brought very early, and I think that's why. You mean the you mean the fake enthusiasm, I'm guessing? No, 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 no. Fake enthusiasm to no, the show? No, no, By the way, I was one of the best foe energy guys in the history of the NFL. Oh, my God. One I would of love to watch you do that. Oh, boys, let's go. Let's go. Day 10 of training camp. Nobody could sleep last night because of fire drill. Let's have the best fucking practice of all time. Let's go. And then you hear Chuck Pagano be like, Jesus, Ben. I'm like, I got nothing today. I'm literally standing here for three hours. But you guys are about to make our team better today. Let's go. And then you get a couple like, fuck you, McAfee. It's like, no, fuck you. Because you're going to become a better football player today. Just like every, I was so good. I was so good at the faux energy guy. Every morning I'd walk into our special teams meeting, whatever, like 7 a.m., whatever it was, 7.30 a.m. People would be dead. Oh my God. My faux energy from row two or whatever was always electric. Greatest special teams meeting of all fucking time. Ain't that right, Tom McMahon? He's up there like, Pat, please, come on. Well, and then he would do, make it a point. I'm like, oh, good call, coach. Good call. Good call. It had to be a nightmare to have me around. But Did you ever do that at the wrong time to where a coach legit got mad? He's like, all right, Pat. Not now. Just not now. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of times where I questioned some things with my fellow energy and uh, I was called, I was summoned to the, the red carpet or whatever the hell it is in the back. Yeah. Like can't have you doing that during the meeting. Like if you want to talk about that afterwards, maybe, but not during the meeting. I was like, I just want to make sure everybody knows where my, where I'm at. You know, I want to, I want to let everybody know that I am not scared to say it right here in front of everybody. Yeah. But you can't do that. You know, you can't do that. I was like, well, I don't know. That's, that's why I did it. I just want to let you know that that is why I did what I did there. So only a couple of times. I think the faux energy, if you do it right, if you mock it enough so people understand that it is faux energy, you know it's faux energy. I think that even brings some energy to people, though. Absolutely. No, yeah. The fact that you're doing it sarcastically the whole time and it's very apparent and you go like once you start to get a little pushback from other players that are, are going to have to go run their head into each other for three straight hours and then run gassers in between. So their headspace is a little different than yours because I know from looking on the sideline and seeing guys like you, if that guy is serious, like if you're doing that and you're serious, the whole team should stomp your face. <laughs> oh my God. I couldn't imagine a kicker or punter being real, being like, let's go 100% today, guys. Every fucking rep. Let's go. That dude would get killed. He'd get killed instantly on the spot. <laughs> Guys, every rep, I'm gonna give my all every single rep today. Okay, first period, I got seven balls. I'm going fucking hard as hell. I expect the same out of all of you. Ready, break. Okay. I mean, Vinny's the goat. He refused to open his mouth in those meetings, you'd say. Yeah, Vinatieri was like, hey, listen, I could get cut tomorrow. I'm not saying a damn thing. Good for him. But I was, I feel like I, I rode the sarcastic level high enough that I really did bring actual energy to the places. You gotta read the room. You gotta read the room. And I read that room that I was in there in that convention center. It was not one I wanted to be in anymore. Oh, yeah. I gotta get out of here. I was inspired though. I was inspired to I get to yeah, you were inspired, yeah, to leave. You and said to, you were there four or five minutes. Yeah, seven. I, I think I think it was seven. I wait, I did you leave minutes. during a standing O or something to where it wasn't super obvious? No, it was actually while they were sitting, and I could tell that they were about to ramp up for another fucking go, and I just right out the back. Right out the back. Had to do it. Did all of you get up at the same time, or did yeah. you try to go oh, one yeah. at a time? Oh, yeah. No, we went. It was a three count. Three wide life, bub. We just went out there, same thing. I think Zito ran into the door, actually, so it caused <laughs> a little bit of like yeah, a I pump did. on the <laughs> way out. 
stumped my nose. <laughs> do I wish I knew who this person was. Seven thousand. What year was it? It was big. It was big. I don't remember when it was. It had to be within the last four years. Had to be, yeah. Yeah. All right, that's good to know. That's good to know. I, I'm try- I'll be on the lookout whenever things start opening back up and those people start to hit the road again. I'm gonna. I'll be on the lookout for someone coming through Indy that may really uh, be right up your alley. It's such bullshit. I mean, isn't it? I feel like I could go up there for four, probably four hours and just. I would do my faux energy guy from practice, but I felt like that was what was happening. They would believe you though. That's yes. the, the best part about it is all of them would believe you. Today we woke up. We stood. We washed our hands, we took a shit, we brushed our teeth. You know what is happening to people around the world? They don't have the ability to do that. So the fact that we did, we should celebrate our existence. We should celebrate our life. We should make the most. We shouldn't judge people. We should reach out and talk to friends. And how can we make this world better than it already is? Yeah! Can I get a hallelujah? And then they sit back down, and then you just hit them with a round two. Tonight, when I eat my dinner, I'm going to think of the food that I'm eating, and I'm going to say, there's people on this earth that don't get to eat the food that we eat. So why not enjoy every bread that we break with our friends? Why don't we... You get it. That's. I mean, it's an easy thing. Yeah, you speak. You're, you'll speak for four hours straight without saying anything. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> More power to them, I guess. I respect the hustle. If you can get, a, if you can sell seven thousand tickets, are you kidding me? You can't blame that person. It was kind of like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and uh, uh, New Kids on the Block, how they came together and sold out arenas everywhere. That's like what this was at, that we were at. It was like a a group of motivators came together to sell it all these, which is smart business. And I would assume there are people that get life put in perspective at these things and kind of help them out a little bit. But boy, I I thought we were going to get to the comedy a lot earlier. Like I thought there would be a little comedic flair in there because I've never heard somebody speak for a long time without making at least... One little, haha. You have to. Do you know? You know who Jim Tressel is? Do I know Jim Tressel? He was a coach for the Indianapolis Colts whenever I was there. After uh, you guys ran him out of town for yeah, he was up in the he was up in the booth, wasn't he? Yeah, he was working with special teams too. So like, I know Jim. Yes, I know Jim Tressel. Jim Tressel, he's the man. Like he, I I love that dude. He is the absolute man. Could coach in the NFL. Can coach. He's one of the guys that could do it all. But like. Coach Tressel gets, I'm sure he gets paid. He's the president of Youngstown State now, so that's where he, Let's go Penguins. He to, what's that? Let's go Pens. There you go. But he, I've watched him speak many times. And Coach Tressel, people call him the sender, be like buttoned up, super professional, which he is. But when he gives speeches, he gives a ton of great like inside stories, but he's surprisingly very funny throughout the whole thing. Like always funny, really quick. And I think that's what surprises people when they see him speak. They don't expect that from him, but that's what makes him such a great speaker. I don't think I am mature enough to not handle the people that don't have a little bit of humor mixed in with the uncomfortable, awkward, fake motivation. And that's, I just, I think that's why I enjoyed Jim Tressel. He was very good. Jim Tressel was very good when he was with the Colts. He was only there for like a year, maybe half a year, and he left, but it was cool getting to meet him. I dressed up like him at the college game day. I know, you got to yell OH to the whole game day crowd. Big crowd. Big crowd. Is that the biggest crowd that anyone's ever yelled that in front of? No, there's a – no, I don't think so. There was somebody else that we met. <laughs> that, that bumped you. Didn't he bump you on the way by on, when he was walking by you and tell you that? No, I don't know if there was any physical t- – but it was a confidence uh, shot for sure. But they said that they did that in front of 100,000-plus oh, people. Wow. The I.O. coming back was – 
very loud, much louder than the one that I did. There's my Jim Trestle outfit in Columbus. By the way, incredible game day there. Got a chance to talk to Eddie George. Yep. Got a chance to go out into the crowd. Meep, uh, uh, Stipe Miocic. Stipe yep. Miocic was there. Good guy. He's going to fight Daniel Cormier. I hope we get a little inside access because he's an Ohio guy and we crowd uh, surf together there. I had a great time in Columbus Look, dressed up like Jim Trestle. You look good. Who cut your hair before that? Kanu. It's our dude. Kanu is our guy. Does he come into the, the studio there? Yeah, we weren't able to have him there for a while. He came in last week. Probably going to get him in here again. I was going to let my hair on top grow until the quarantine's officially over. Yeah. You know, because there's been no haircuts for a lot of people. But it's getting to the point where I, I got it. I mean, something's got to give here. Keep it going. Chris hey, well, I got a question. Why do people – have you run into anybody – I, I know I have – that? They show up and they have a, a weird, straggly, like awful beard. And they're like, well, you know, the quarantine can't get a haircut. And I'm like, but you can trim your face, you idiot. Why do you, you don't have to have facial hair? The thing about that is you can actually do it yourself. That's kind of uh, been doing like if you, you Just tell me you're, you want to grow a beard. You don't have to use the excuse that I can't get a haircut. Therefore, my face has hair on it. The only excuse for not being able to shave your beard is a playoff beard when you're a Pittsburgh Penguin. You're about to win Amen. a Stanley Cup. Let's That's go. the only Amen. excuse. They started? You think they've started them already? Oh, yeah. I believe there's quarantine beards that are rolling straight in the playoff beard for that COVID Cup that they're go Pittsburgh Penguins are going to go win. Probably in Columbus, if I had to guess. Yeah. When are they going to announce where the NHL like host cities are? They've been awfully quiet. It is. The NHL has kind of disappeared. They let the MLB kind of take center stage in the clusterfuckery, and the NBA is figuring it out. The NHL has kind of backed off. They were very quiet this entire time, though, and then they came out with the 24-team layout, and then the uh, commissioner named... Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman went on NHL Network at 4 o'clock that one day and laid it all out. Then they've kind of disappeared. They had a lot to figure out by then, but it does feel as if behind the scenes they're handling their business. And Guys were on the ice yesterday. Skates are on ice. Yeah. Sticks on puck. So, you know, Diggs, just because you're not listening doesn't mean it's not yeah. Hey, Nick, when's it start then? When's the NHL going to play? Yeah, Nick, when's it start? Where are they playing it? They don't have an official start date That's yet. What I thought. But I do believe their goal is to beat the NBA back. And if the NBA said July 31st, I'd expect the NHL to try and beat that. It's going to be March Madness every day, AJ. There's going to be hockey, there's going to be NBA, there's going to be golf, there's potentially going to be me playing in the MLB, there's going to be the NFL on the other side. This is going to be on the other side of this thing. How are they going to get it all in? in, in? How are they going to have the AFLs coming back? I mean, how are they going to yeah. get all the sports in? The AFL is probably going to take all the attention, aren't they? The NFL or the AFL? AFL. AFL is coming back early. They say, hey, PGA Championship, the P Charles Schwab Challenge is happening in the afternoon of the 11th. We'll go 5.30 a.m. American time, 5.30 a.m. Fox Sports 1. Collingwood Magpies take on the Richmond Tigers. AFL, sport you will love. You should watch it. Call the Magpies? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck it means either. I think it's a pretty bad name, but I assume it's a real good name over in Australia for some reason. Go Magpies, baby. Hey, let's go Magpies. Go Magpies. Pies. Come on. Magpies. Come on. Look. Come hey. on, Pies. When I pie, you pie, I pie. What was that? I was trying to do the when I dip, you dip, we dip, but it did not work out. <laughs> it wasn't bad. You had, by the way, you had the rhythm. You normally don't have the melody. You I had. love that song. I put my hand up on your hip. When, when I, I dip, dip, you dip, we dip. You put your hand up on my hip. When you dip, I dip, we dip. Atta boy, Zito. I feel like I'm watching uh, Songmasters. <laughs> Songland, have respect for Jesus. it. Speaking of, this is another show people should have respect for. McAfee and Hawk, Sports Talk. This has been the show. AJ, you got anything else to say to the people? No. Garth Brooks would say, sometimes when you listen to shows, 
The shows are actually listening to you. <laughs> hey, can we get Garth on? I know we're leaving. Someone get Garth on the show. I don't think so. That's going to be a pretty expensive booking. Come on down for a mental vacation. We should start paying gifts. Here's something that never, ever, ever happened. There has never, ever, ever been a time where dad has took a massive bite into an Omaha steak and said, I didn't like that. Omaha Steaks, America's original butcher, founded in 1917, quick math, 103 years ago, have the most tender and most flavorful steaks in America. And right now, just like every year, they have an incredible Father's Day special going on. We've been eating Omaha steaks in our office for the last three, four years. They're incredible. They're not just a piece of meat, okay? It's a tender, flavorful, delicious, handcrafted steak that makes my taste buds go, damn. That's what I'm talking about out of Omaha steaks. Father's Day is coming up. So give dad the gift he really wants to share. Not a tie, not something else cliche, perfectly aged tender steaks. Omaha Steaks will deliver the world's best steaks and a huge variety of other favorites directly to your dad's door. Omaha Steaks is America's original busher since 1917. You can order with complete confidence today and have peace of mind knowing you're sending dad the very best meat possible. Right now, Omaha Steaks is offering listeners of this show access to a variety of amazing packages that are perfect to send Dad for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code PAT in the search bar. You'll see all of the great options available, many that include free shipping and a free one-pound package of their perfectly cured, incredibly thick, applewood-smoked steak-cut bacon. Many of the options available at omahasteaks.com when you enter the code PAT in the search bar include free shipping and, let me repeat this, a free one-pound package of their perfectly cured, incredibly thick, applewood-smoked, steak-cut bacon. Damn. There are many packages available that are perfect for dad, and they're all ready to be shipped straight to your door, his door, in time for Father's Day. What I would do is buy a couple. Not only for dad, yeah, happy Father's Day to you, but also for me. Let's go ahead and take advantage of these sales in these packages in this one pound of steak-cut bacon. Omaha Steaks, shout out to you for being awesome every single year for Father's Day. You've won Father's Day for me for the last few years. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a guy who is an NBA champion, an all-star, a defensive player of the year, four-time NBA all-defensive team. He also started an app, X vs. X Sports, where you can find pickup games anywhere. The other day, he was protesting with a massive blunt for a good cause, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Meta World Peace. How you doing? 
Is it? Listen, I don't want to get this wrong because I have a lot of respect for you. Uh, we looked on your Wikipedia. It said on May 4th, you changed your name from Meta World Peace to Meta Sandiford Artest. Is that accurate or inaccurate? No, well, two years ago, uh, and nice to speak to you also. My uh, man. But two, absolutely. Uh, two years ago, I got married on uh, August 10th. And, and you changed? changed my name. Okay, so it's no longer Meta World Peace. It's Meta Sandiford Artest. Um, yeah, and you know, just not, I don't really go by it publicly right now because I, it's it's kind of like you know, Metal World Peace is definitely the nickname now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an incredible it's name. It's an incredible name, Meta, because whenever you did this, obviously it was a couple years after Chad Ocho Cinco. The message automatically, as soon as your name is mentioned, is a positive one, and I thought it was a beautiful thing to do. Now, just a couple of days ago, I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago, you were out protesting, obviously with the Black Lives Matter, to hopefully make our world a little bit more of a fair one for everybody. What was the message on the streets? And I assume whenever you go anywhere, people are pumped that Mr. World Peace is around. Well, you know, I was trying to make sense of everything because every time something happens politically that involves African-Americans, it can get confusing at times. So over the uh, last couple of years, I've just been trying to sit back and listen and, and kind of try to see what's going on because I've been studying African-American uh, history for a long time, right? So I kind of know a little bit about, you know, the situation that we're in. Um, when Black Lives Matter came up, I think that was a year and a half ago, two years ago, when Black Lives Matter movement came, I didn't quite know, you know, what it was because it was brand new, right? So I'm not going to say I wasn't supporting it. I just wasn't paying attention, you know? And then this time around, I kind of, you know, as African-American, I think um, we were looking for some leadership um, as, you, you know, like who is going to help us and then you get a bunch of people uh, acting out or sh showing emotion on their own. But I think with the Black Lives Matters movement, it's a real strong organization. And they, they are not, they, they don't turn off black people and they don't really push away other ethnicities, if you, if you get my drift. Because yeah. some, some campaigns was a little bit contradictive if we're trying to be um uh you know on this planet together in, in in harmony so um you know you just although we know what we've been through at the same time you still want to you know move move on move forward together right yeah um it's you know it's not like a battle we not i mean unless we're gonna go to war which i don't think anybody wants to do that right so with that being said you know um i really like the black lives matter uh, movement. Um, Meta, I have a question you know, for you. Meta, I have a question mm -hmm. for you. Do you feel mm -hmm. like the Denver Broncos, 50 players, coaches, and everything of that na uh, nature went out and marched alongside everybody who's trying to make this uh, country a much better place for everybody. Do you feel pressure whenever you go to one of these that they're going to expect you to speak or they're going to expect you to do something of that nature? Is there any of that feeling by you whenever you go out and do something like this? Because it's a massive deal for somebody of your stature to get out there. And I think that is why this message has resonated with so many people who may be tone deaf to it before is because the the pure volume of amount of people that are getting involved in this people of your stature people of the bronc like big name people are getting a part of it do you feel pressure when you're at these things to kind of be the leader and to speak about it or you're just out there like hey i'm just a part of this crowd that's trying to make a better place 
Well, the first, I went to three protests and the first one I went to, I didn't want to go. I missed the first three. My wife been to seven of them so far. <clears throat> and I was, I was afraid of, you know, the, the commotion for one, the chaos. And then also I, I had something to do with my chest just from being through certain things I've been through growing up, you know, um, but when you get there, you see like, oh, wow, there's already people here leading. I don't need to do anything. I just need to show up. So when I went to the big one, I mean, I didn't know it was that many people until I looked at the, at the um, Internet. And I was like, wow. I mean, I was pretty much I just thought it was a great I, I, I sparked up a, some marijuana. Oh, yeah. Sativa <laughs> you know, or Indica and, uh, there? Was that Sativa, Indica, which strain? Anything any, any important? Indica. Oh, I like Indica. Cause I know some people like sativa to keep their mind going. For me, I, I like to try. I try to stay focused. So indica is great for me, and it's great for my emotional like well being. You know, one strain, don't need to play around too much. <laughs> yeah. You know, but some people like sativa or hybrids. I prefer indica. I'm a sativa guy myself. I, I like the energy, but every once in a while at night, <laughs> I'll hit an indica to pass out. I, I mean, I respect that a lot. Your incredible ability to play basketball is the reason why you're in the position that you're in. And now that you're in the position that you're in, taking advantage of that to hopefully make the world a better place, good on you. I just want to let you know, a lot of respect from this office for that. As soon as we saw the video of you out there, that is such a cool thing, especially whenever it's coming from a man who's one of the most famous people on this earth and yourself. Can we talk about your basketball career a little bit? Absolutely. Okay, so you get drafted one year after the Bulls <laughs> stopped being the Bulls, basically. And the yeah. the last dance documentary, Jerry Krause was this figure that was almost, I don't want to say vilified, but he was vilified. You come across as like, damn, if this guy could just handle business a little bit better, this team would be able to go forever. When you got to the Bulls after that, what was your relationship like with Jerry Krause? And was the way he was personified an accurate one in your eyes? I mean, I, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Jerry Krause drafted me to a team that I loved. So I don't have anything against Jerry Krause. I thought he was great for me when I was going through my stuff in Chicago. He always told me I was going to be a great player. He said, you're going to be. I didn't believe it, you know, and I was frustrated because I wanted to be the best. But when you're when you want to be the best and you can't be the best, do you just say, you know, I'm just not the best or do you? fight sometimes you some people act out you know and people got different ways of dealing with not being number one but jerry always told me he said you're gonna be a hell of a player i've seen i've seen this before and i just couldn't i didn't believe it until later you know i, I and um, jerry was always there for me he's one of the first people to get me help when i was going through a lot and then he transferred over my records to indiana and then johnny walsh is more like a, like a father figure you know um and yeah. then he was there just riding me through all the chaos I was going through. So Jerry Krause is great to me. Okay, and I think a lot of people have come out, by the way. I think Charles Barkley came out and said Jerry Krause doesn't deserve what he's gotten and a lot of things of that nature. I think a lot of people since the Last Dance documentary have come out on his side. Happy to hear you also on his side. We are in Indianapolis, in Indiana. So that Pacers team that you guys had is one that was talked about as, hey, this team was a damn good team. And then obviously the malice in the palace happens that night and everything gets yeah. kind of sent off in the wrong direction. Is there any, do you ever watch that video back or anything like that? Or is that a night you try to forget about? It's not. It's not. I won't try. I won't try to forget about it. You know, um, it's it's history. It's something that happened. But I mean, it's literally one of the worst things I've been through in my life. Um, ha being so close to being great. You know, being so close and you just piss it away. 
um, piss away the, the greatness, not not the money, not anything else, just the greatness. You know, um, working with Larry Bird uh, and Chuck Person. Well, Chuck Person was in the gym with me all the time. Larry Bird was in the gym like 70% of the time or 50% of the time working me out. And that's when I was averaging 24, right during the brawl year, that whole summer, I was in the gym every day and Larry Bird put gave me his time and you know as as humans you know um you, you should go about things differently you should go about things with respect and i didn't have much respect all, um back then although although i was still going through some things um but respect you know is something that should be um consistent and it wasn't and it, it, it's it's terrible for my career you know because i was averaging 20 plus I was going to continue to average twenty plus. I was a, I was an all star before that. I was finished sixth in MVP before that. Um, so then I come back averaging eight more points, still the best defender. Probably going to get MVP this year. Another all star, another all NBA team, another um, all defensive team, and then you can duplicate that three more times. Maybe I max out. You know, you're talking about a lot of hardware there. You know, yeah. um, so now now Metal World Peace one all star. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just not a good career it's how do you I, I would encourage people don't don't fuck it up <laughs> <laughs> well Meta, i would you say know? this i would say this though although it was a night where you made a bad decision that ultimately led to other things i think the way you've responded on the other side is more than noble i mean the fact that you change your well, name yeah. the the fact 20 that you, years later yeah well also <laughs> i think after that though right i mean you then become an advocate for mental health and everything like that you probably affected more people with that but one the, but the, but right before that the, when i got back and everybody in indiana supported me you know i was still going through personality changes at that time quite honestly i was trying to find myself um i come back and you know i knew i was stressed that whole summer both summers i was super stressed i knew it and then and then when, the, when i got suspended that summer my grandma passed away in october she was like the anchor of the family and the show like you know we, we're not the same when she since she's since she's been gone right so that really killed me ben wallace dad passed away right i didn't even notice and then the next year i come back indiana supported me and i request a trade Right. Like, you know, so that's like that's like, you know, stuff like that. It could have it could it could have I had a second chance. I had three chances at Indiana, you know, uh, to be there. Right. Um, I love the Lakers. I love the teams I played for. But, you know, Indiana just got like uh, uh, some something in in, in, uh, in, in engraved, you know, in my heart, you know, for, for Indiana. Um, but, yeah, I did. I did come out on the other side dealing with my personal issues. You know, and it was tough. I mean, when I left Indiana, it didn't, it didn't get much. It wasn't that easy. Well, hindsight, Matt, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, and for the people that are listening to the radio, we can't thank you enough. We will see you tomorrow. We hope you've enjoyed Tuesday, June 9th, two thousand and twenty. The conversation with Meta World Peace will continue at YouTube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee Show. We appreciate you so much for listening to us on radio, uh, Meta. The hindsight's always twenty twenty. We all make mistakes. The fact that you've been able to right the ship and become a person that is not only just a, a benefit to our society but a, a role model to our society is a good thing i don't think you should be as hard on yourself and let's talk about your time that you go to the lakers you're obviously there with kobe bryant right and kobe noted 
Mamba mentality, just like Jordan was, a little bit of a hard ass whenever it comes to practice and things of that nature. There's a story that came out that even though you two were great teammates together, had a lot of success together and things of that nature, Phil Jackson once had to step in between you two, almost about to fight each other. Is that an accurate statement? I don't know if we was about to fight, um, but I mean, it could have escalated. It could have escalated. You know, I'm I'm really hard headed and you know, my, my heart I feel like it matches up with whoever was had the biggest heart in the NBA. Um Kobe Kobe was one of them. Um R.I.P. Kobe, love him and you know, I just um the practice the, you know, we, we didn't play against each other much because, you know, I, I, I was so I was waiting. You know, I would love it and um we, we would go after it and, and you know, Kobe he's you know, he went after Shaq, you know, so it's not really anything for him to go after me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and um, I actually tackled Shaq in Chicago. So, you know, me and Kobe's pretty, you know, <laughs> suicidal. What was it like? What was it like going to that? What was it like going to to play on Kobe's team? Because I'm assuming that we've all heard the rumor. I'm not in the NBA, but I've heard the rumors. Playing with Jordan, okay, there's a certain way that he's going to go about things. Playing with LeBron, there's a certain way that LeBron goes about things. Playing with Kobe, there's a certain way he goes about uh, doing things, both in practice, in the film room, in the game. Just that Mamba mentality, from what I've been told, is something that has always happened. Was there ever that mindset going to the Lakers? Like, okay, hey, the way we operate over here is we go as Kobe goes was that kind of the mindset or no I mean not for me you know um, I mean if you look at my career even I mean with the Lakers even that first year I was I came in averaging 22 in the playoffs with the Rockets I get to the Lakers averaging eight you know my, my shots is not there but I kept shooting and I felt like I need to win a ring <laughs> yeah that's what I was thinking you know so as desperate as anybody else was whatever role I was in I'm trying to make the best of it so you know, my, my my ship normally goes how I sail. I usually park my ship. I usually park my ship on the on the on the ship I'm going on. You know, but I was hungry that year, man. I knew Kobe was. I knew Kobe was amazing, but I knew like you need to bring it, and and, and just just in case, you know, be ready. Um, and after the first ring with Kobe, I, I was like, wow, I can just go on vacation next season because I don't have to do nothing. Kobe does everything. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't, I was just partying a lot. I mean, I was like, all right, I'll be going to win another ring. I just spot up in the corner, play some defense, and we'll win. That wasn't the case. We got swept. <laughs> <laughs> well, Meta, Meta did, did you look up to Dennis Rodman style on the field? Or on the court, I'm sorry, not because you were a savage on the boards, defense. <coughs> you were an absolute savage. It sounds like off the court too. Maybe you had a good time as well. But was Dennis Rodman somebody that you looked up to whenever you were uh, coming through the entire NBA? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I really wanted to honor him and win a ring in his jersey. You know, that's why. I mean, a year when I got Defensive Player of the Year, I did it in Michael Jordan's jersey. You know, and. You know, my goal was to wear all my favorite Bulls jerseys. Um, you know, uh, it wasn't nothing to about towards Indiana. I know people's like, why are you wearing Jordan's jersey? And Rodman, like, he's my favorite player growing up. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, um, no, nobody blames you. There. But the Rodman jersey, man, I was so close to being the best that I could be in my favorite player's jersey. It was, that was, people don't understand, that was devastating to, you know, to get suspended. Like, I, you know, 91, Rodman, get the title. 
you know, get another defensive player of the year. I mean, you know, he, I, I just love, I love everything about him. And I know his story is mom, dad left early. He was, mom put him out. He was homeless, wasn't accepted because he was different. You know, um, he had, he had a rough life, you know, so I love Dennis. Have you met him? Have you met him and talked about this with him and how those conversations go? Is he one of your boys now? Well, you know, Dennis knows that I loved him, you know, and love him. And especially him when I was in the prime of my career. That's all I, I mean, I saw I talk about my favorite player. But, you know, some of back in the you know, days, it's hard to talk to Dennis. Dennis, Dennis party, man. Dennis is somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> He's like sobered up, I think, but... I remember talking to Dennis and I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying, I got Worms number this is, and I'm trying to talk to him, but he's not listening to me. <laughs> I would tell him, you know, but uh, yeah, it was just, I had some conversations with him on the phone. I bet he doesn't remember. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. He probably remembers talking to you, man. You are a legend in your own. Please remember that. Let's talk real quick before we let you go. And I can't thank you enough for your time here. This is thank an you. incredible conversation. I thank you for this. The NBA is doing this 22-team tournament down in Orlando. They play eight more games. That will account with their original regular season schedule or record before the quarantine and then all this stuff. Who does this benefit? Would this benefit a Meta World Peace-style play? Uh, hard defender, things of that nature. Whenever you're coming out of this quarantine break, maybe guys haven't been playing as much. Then they're getting yeah. kind of put away in its own little space. Who does this benefit, you think? And do you like this idea? <laughs> no, this is going to be, I mean, I believe whoever bites is going to get it because this is like survival of the fittest. This has never been done before. And I mean, I, when I was playing basketball as a kid, you know, it was always survival for me. It was never the love of the game. I've, I've never loved the game. <laughs> I was always just trying to survive. And that's why I thrived, you know, in certain situations. This, I feel like this is going to be like, unlike anything you've ever seen. It is already, just how I was being formatted. But, I mean, this is insane. It's amazing. I'm, I'm really excited. And I'm really excited that the basketball's back. You know, um, you, you, you take for granted, like, how much you miss sports. Oh, yeah. You know, I just took it for granted. I'm, I'm a big fan of basketball, and it was just like I'm like watching YouTube videos over and over again of like old highlights of like of Hanson, like <laughs> Hanson from the Bulls. <laughs> like it was like, you know, I'm like I got all the way back. I know nobody, nobody else to watch. <laughs> do you th do you think the basketball is going to be good after this? Or but you said survival of the fittest. You think they're going to be going hard, huh? You think this is going to be a a full go, huh? I mean, you got to think about all the emotion. I mean, for one, some people, you know, uh, was second round picks and they're going to be in the game and they, they need to get that next contract. Then you got, you know, some people's chasing greatness. You know, you talk about greatness inches. If you miss 50 games, that's one point you might lose, you know, on being the number one scorer of all time. Oh, you know, yeah. um, you talk about uh, the COVID. There was one, you know, thing that happened, uh, you know, and, and now and then, and then the protest. So I think like, this is just going to be amazing. You know, I just can't wait to watch. I think it's going to be ultimate, ultimate uh, competition. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. Um, I do believe LeBron wins, though. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Is that because yeah. he's, he's a Laker, or you just think because LeBron's best player on earth right now? <laughs> Yeah, maybe because he's a Laker. Meta, I can't thank you enough for your time, man. This has been an incredible conversation. I don't know if somebody's calling you or you just say, all right, perfect. No, it's some, you know, sometimes it says your phone's going to die. But, <laughs> but, hey, um, hey, the X, wanna, the X versus yeah. X app 
is an incredible yeah. concept, an incredible idea. Could you talk about that a little bit and how you thought about bringing it uh, to fruition? Yeah, definitely. Well, one, I would like to say I would love to see Indiana win the title. Like, I, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be in my grave and then they win. That's not going to be fair. I want to see them win live. Mm-hmm. Um, Us so too, by the way. Up some can- so I could spark up some cannabis after. But yeah, Xbox X. I mean, I'm I'm so passionate about basketball, and during during my career, people see me do a lot of different things, like music, movies, whatever case may be. I'm passionate about basketball, and I was able to stay in basketball, um, and you know, raise some money um, from uh, some of the some 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 really good people, and I told them that this is not only a business, it's social impact. People that never would have had an opportunity to be recognized for playing basketball because maybe you don't have uh, a scholarship. There's not enough room for everyone to be in the NBA, but you still want to be recognized. And my app, um, well, our app that we're building has a feed where basketball players can post content about themselves to agents, scouts, coaches, everything from referees, everything. And then also you can find games. You can find showcase games. You can find pickup games. And you can get recognized for winning the game. That's the thing. Normally in pickup, you just go home and you tell your mom, "Hey, I, I have I had uh, I won every game." And she says, "Yeah, you're lying." Um, but on our app, we track it, right? So I'm, I'm just so excited about it. Xversexsports.com. We in beta, so if you sign up now, uh, we're locking it next week because we're just getting beta testers on now. So. It'd be really cool to see the transition. Then we're launching live like next month. Hell yeah, Meta, giving back to the game, giving back to the world. I can't thank you enough for joining us. And don't be so hard on yourself. You're making the world a better place. Sometimes you gotta Thanks, hit. Pat. Sometimes you gotta hit low to get back up. And you did that. And you're a beautiful role model for anybody else that does the same. Ladies and gentlemen, champion. Defensive Player of the Year. X verse X Sports Founder, ladies and gentlemen, Meta World Peace. Yeah! Go Pacers. Go Pacers. <laughs> hey, go Pacers. Let's get them a win. All right. What a conversation. Awesome. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Cool yeah. convo. Very, mm-hmm. very. Hey, cool convo. Don't love he, he, He's an Indica guy all the time because I'm a Sativa guy. So if I smoke with him, I mean, that's going to probably put me to sleep. It's going to be a problem. But incredible human being there. Uh-huh. Good yeah. conversation. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting this. <laughs> Fabulous conversation. I mean, we were really talking good. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh, yeah. Hey, I was proud of what we were talking yeah, great stuff. I mean, you're not going to hear that anywhere else. I was like, you know what? Those guys right there, the way they're talking, good. You know? I hear you. Really good. Um, with the ever-increasing number of makes of cars, you know? Mm-hmm. You got Fiat. Sure. Kia. Yeah. Hyundai. Yep. Honda. Mm-hmm. Jeep. Yeah. GM. Yeah. Yuka. Nope. I miss it. Chevrolet. Chevy. Ford. Yeah. Cadillac. List goes on and on. Genesis. Uh, Eagle. Lincoln. Saturn. Ferrari. Tesla. Lamborghini. Audi. Uh, Volvo. Beamer. <laughs> Mercedes. Did you already use that? No. But I was just in Germany, though. That's like, in, in my head, I couldn't. Maserati. Uh, Go to Italy. Ferrari. Lambo. Anyways, there is a never-ending number of car mix these days and models now let's go pacifica <laughs> civic <laughs> wrangler camry yukon 
Escalade. Sport. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it is now impossible to stock all of the parts you could potentially need for a car in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Excuse me, is your car the Odyssey LX, PX, DX, OX, or EX? It's like, I don't know. I fucking bought it two years ago. They're like, well, what type of thing is this? It's kind of an intimidating thing because you feel like an idiot because you don't know every single thing about your car, which is what the people at the chain storefront need. And all they're going to do is type it into their little computer, and they're only going to be able to offer you whatever they have in the store. And that's why Rock Auto is a very, rockauto.com is a very different operation. They have everything your car could potentially need, and it's very easy to utilize. Rockauto.com is a family business business serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet for your damn car everything you could possibly need rockauto.com has your traditional chain storefront just can't have everything that they have at rockauto.com best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers why spend up to twice as much for the same damn parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck write mcafee in there hey how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you that's right mcafee in there hey how'd you find out about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car could ever need right now at rockauto.com ladies and gentlemen the time has come the sport that I didn't know about until the quarantine started, which is now my new favorite sport, has launched into another season down under. The AFL is back and joining us now is the American hero down there. The six foot ten stud for the Collingwood Magpies, Mason Cox, Coxzilla! Yes! Let's go! How are you, buddy? How are we, boys? We good? Yeah, we're all good. We can't wait to watch you work. We've heard that you are not cleared to play for this opener against the Richmond Tigers. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? A lot of guys are bummed in America about this. Yeah, it's been... uh, I haven't really trained in the past two, three weeks. So I had a bit of a knee problem. Had to get a few uh, few needles in there and suck a few uh, bit of... Swallowing and whatnot out, uh, but hopefully you can get some uh, game time into me and be able to play soon. Okay, so your Australian accent has gotten thicker since the last time we talked <laughs> to you. I would assume that's because you're in quarantine lockdown with only Australians for a while there at the house. What was the workout getting back into training like with the team? Was there protocols? Because over here in America, by the way, we're starting to get into that now. There was only so many people allowed in the building. Was it the same for you guys over there, I'd assume? Man, we were even loud into the building, so we were all had to be isolated with only the people we could actually that we actually lived with, and we could only train with one other person. So we just, we we were super strict as far as there is as far as the government goes. They wouldn't allow us to really do anything, uh, but maybe leave the house for a workout, go to the hospital if you needed to. Uh, but we're kind of sitting on I think like two new cases overnight. So we're essentially I don't know, I don't want to sit here and jinx this, but. We're essentially done with COVID. Um, we're kind of moving on to the other side of this thing. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting times, but during the whole kind of pandemic, whenever we went through it, uh, yeah, it was, it was very strict. And even today, we still have to get 
you know, COVID tests twice a week. Now we've got to get temperature, temperature checked pretty much every day we come into the club. We've got to fill out a questionnaire to make sure that we haven't had any symptoms or anything of that nature. So it's, a, it's been a bit of a, a process, but to be able to get back to play, we've had to go through this. And uh, yeah, June 11th, we're back. How has training been? Training's been pretty awesome, I'd assume. Getting the boys back out there, kind of getting back into the swing of things. And has it been the, because there's a lot of people on the team, the field is 17 miles big in circumference. So, I mean, there's a lot of humans out there. Have you guys gotten back into full-scale practices? I would assume we're only a day out here. You guys have been ready to go. Yeah, it was probably about two, three weeks ago. We had to go back into full training. So we had to, the first week we had to go only groups of about seven or eight. And uh, even still today, we have to move around in groups of seven or eight around the club and try to keep separated from each other. But twice a week we can go, or once a week now we have games and then the, the game on the weekend, we get trained as a full team. So there's about 44 guys on the list. So you can imagine the organized chaos trying to get them all together to try to play a game. There's only 22 to play every week. Uh, so it's it organized chaos of the players trying to get them all on the same page, trying to get training together and everything else. But it's been good to uh, to get out of somewhat of uh, isolation and be able to be around multiple people again. Yeah. You know? In the game, will everybody have to get tested that's going to play, and then they just assume, okay, if you're here, you've been tested and we're good to go? Is that how did those conversations happen between the AFL and the players? I don't know if you guys have a players association or whatever, but how did you guys learn about the entire process and how this whole thing unfolded? Yeah, it all, it all happened pretty quick, but we um, so we get tested about 40, 48 hours before um, before we play a game, and uh, the tests come back, or 24, 48 hours, the tests come back, so they make sure everyone that's playing is cleared. Uh, so we do have a, a PI, and they've been going back and forth with the IFL, trying to figure out the best case scenario for all of us to get back to play as soon as possible. Um, obviously, we've taken a bit of a financial hit, given the fact that we're not playing as many games, and uh, there's not as much endorsement stuff that's gone into it. So. Uh, it's, it's been a kind of a race back to get back to this. So everyone's extremely excited. This town literally just eats up AFL. It's it's amazing. There's like eight or nine teams on site in Melbourne alone. It bleeds AFL. People are just absolutely striving to get it back. And, Me uh, too. Man, you gotta come down here. You Me gotta too. Come down here. Hey, I am so just, I am so awesome. pumped for it. Is there gonna be fans in the stands or is there no fans? And what's the rollout process for that? No, 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 no fans round two. We're in the round two because we've already done one round. I think you saw that a while ago. But um, we're going to be uh, hopefully soon fans. We haven't agreed to anything yet. We haven't had those conversations. But with everything kind of calming down, there's uh, there's talk that we're going to be able to kind of incrementally get a bit more fans back into the into the stadiums and hopefully get some uh, some people watching in live. What the hell happened to your knee? What, what are we doing? You came out of quarantine fat? Is that what happened? The American was fat in quarantine and came in out of what happened? I just actually I ran in, I ran in and jumped to another guy and we knocked these knocked knees at the same time. Oh. And um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. And uh, luckily it wasn't anything structurally damaged. So we're pretty happy with that. But um, yeah, it was pretty I wasn't really doing too much for the for the last two, two and a half weeks. How many games will be played in the season? Has it been shortened, lengthened? What has happened with the season length? Yeah, so it's about 17 games now. Uh, that's before finals. So before playoffs, we've got 17 games that we've committed to. But we only know blocks of four games. So we don't know who we play for the next four games after these four. So it's only released in blocks of four at the moment. So we've got no idea in you know, five, six weeks' time who we're going to play. But we will probably play everyone once. Mason, 
The goal is to go undefeated each quarter, okay? <laughs> Once you start stacking those wins, you go 4-0 in the first four weeks. Okay, now you're setting yourself up for a good second quarter. If you can go 3-1, and 2-2, two and two, now you're in playoff conversation. That's NFL schedule right there, 17 weeks. Look at a quarterly basis. I'm pumped for the mag- magpies. What the hell is a magpie, by the way? Actually, it's a great hey, I'm, I'm glad you asked. A magpie is actually a bird in Australia, right? And it's known for swooping people. So it comes out of the sky, so you sit there and it's like real territorial, right? Awesome. So it's, so it's an avatar real. bird? <laughs> it is, it's that <laughs> somewhat, yeah, so yeah. If you if you watch people here in Melbourne, you'll see people riding their bikes and they'll have zip ties at the top of their helmet because these birds will come down if you come close to their nest, and they'll swoop and peck you in the back of the head. So a magpie is a savage of the sky, much like Coxzilla. <laughs> yeah. You see that mark there, pal? I'm telling you, man, you can make it. I've got your back. And you don't even have to. You don't have to catch. You don't have to complete the catch, right? You just have to have the catch at one point, and then the whistle blows. Everybody, get the fuck away from me! I'm gonna kick the ball again. Exactly. Yeah, they give you about five, uh, about six seconds to kick the ball to the next person. But if you're kicking for goal, you get thirty seconds. If what? If you're kicking for goal, you get about thirty seconds. Uh, if I was there every single time, I'd be kicking for goal. <laughs> Give me. A, oh, I need a full. I saw a couple seventy-meter bombs by people through the uh, through the post things. I, I, I'm very intrigued. I, by the way, I have another one of these that was sent to me by the USAFL. I blew it up yeah. and I was kicking around in the back in my backyard. They say this thing is made by hand, loved by foot for a good reason. This son of a oh, bitch flies. Man. They launch, absolutely launch. I'll tell you, there's actually a competition they do, the longest kick at the grand final of the, the Super Bowl. They do it over a river so you can kick it the furthest. If we could get you in on that, I reckon you'd actually take it away. I think you'd be able to be the longest. Hold on, the Scottish away. Hammer did this. I think the Scottish Hammer, the, uh, no, not Scottish Hammer. Somebody <laughs> somebody did this. Somebody did that challenge and then came to the NFL, I th- if I'm not mistaken. Because I've heard of this before because it's dudes just running full speed and then just bombing the ball. And I'm like, that looks like a great time. And there's so many people around him. I'm like, this is a home run derby for punting. This is the greatest thing of all time. I cannot wait for the league to get back into full swing of things. I am very pumped up about it. Diggs, what's your question? Yeah, I had a question. You said you got tested twice a week. Does that mean you get your brain swabbed with a Q-tip twice a week? Yeah, it goes down the throat, swab down there, and then each nostril up. It goes on like your finger length up into your nose. How's that feel? How is that? Yeah, I didn't feel great. It feel like I've never, I didn't even think my nostrils went up that far, to be honest with you. I was freaking amazed that you go up there and there's no, it makes you cry every time. There's no way to get around it. They give you a tissue. They just say, look, you're going to cry. <laughs> hey, what team, what team's going to come out of this quarantine and everything like that? Really, aside from the magpies, what, like you got the reigning champs here, opening game, June 11th, 5.30 a.m. American Standard Time on Fox Sports 1. The Collingwood Magpies, the savage of the sky, is taking on Dustin Johnson. Martin? Dustin Martin. Dustin Martin. Yeah. And the Richmond Tigers, also a savage on the pitch. What are you guys looking for uh, out of them? And who's a team that is going to be a problem for the Magpies potentially this year? I assume the Richmond Tigers? Yeah, the Richmond, Richmond's, Richmond's always been up there. They've been uh, probably the best in the league for uh, – they've been in the top two or three for the past about four years. So they, they've gone really well. Uh, they've won 
uh, two of the last three. Uh, so they've, they've had quite a bit of success in the last uh, last few years. But the top four teams probably at the moment, you're looking at probably GWS, West Coast, uh, Collingwood, Aquas, and Richmond. So it's actually, oh, sorry, West Coast is having to go into a hub at the moment. So the people from WA have had to go over to Nobody knows Gold what that Coast means, by the way. You're using the all these... The the country. Mason, you're using all these... I don't know what the hell <laughs> any of those things you just said. I, I don't know anything. I would like to, okay? These are things I would like to know about. But you just start getting into LOL, Obvi, OMG, WAI, CMAs, MTV. I don't know who any of these people are. You're talking to me. I'm an idiot. You got to remember that, Mason. So you're saying the top four teams right now... Collingwood, Richmond. Yep. Who's the other squad? West Coast. West Coast. And then Greater Western Sydney, but we call them GWS for short. There's a team just called West Coast? Yep, West Coast. That's um, West Coast Eagles is their oh, uh, Eagles oh, are their boy. That You're going to have oh, some competition, oh, I think, for oh, being oh, the West favorite Coast. team. Hey, everybody in here just threw up their W. I mean, this that's yeah, the West Coast team feels like they could be gaining momentum in this office. I just want to let you know, especially if you're going to be out. Eagles. If you're going to be out a couple, yeah, the Eagles too. I mean, oh, that's America. The ball, oh, my. They're yellow. Yellow and blue. Your guys' jerseys are great colors. The black and white. Yeah. It is a great, great jersey. How's your... It is... It is prison bars, essentially. It is the, yeah, it's, it's, it's what Collingwood fans are. You're either black or white. If you don't support Collingwood, you hate Collingwood. And that's what it's known for. Yeah, you are, you guys are hated. I, I said that we I- We are hated. I supported you guys publicly. I said, Magpie's taking the whole fucking thing this year or something like that. And I got people to start coming after me like, you don't do that, mate. Don't, <laughs> don't do that, mate. Like that team is the worst. You guys are really hated. That must mean you're good, by the way. But also, is that is that because you guys come from a massive city? Your president, I think, hosts who wants to be a millionaire in Australia. I feel like your team is potentially the team that people would hate. And it, it, it's the case. It is the case. It is true. We're, yeah, we're a bit boastful too. We're a bit American in that sense. We, we, we're pretty proud of Collingwood. Um, we're pretty proud to be supporting that club. So, and yeah, our president is, he's, he is the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He's probably one of the most recognizable people in the country. Uh, he's the absolute legend, Eddie McGuire. Um, he, he actually wants to get you on the show, to be honest. Not Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but there is a possibility if we do go down that line, I can maybe work a few angles. But, I'll tell you, if I could do once be a millionaire in Australia, I I believe that guy has a serious show now, though. I think, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's talking about history on that. So he's uh, he's starting up a bit of a serious show over there, uh, trying to do that for the, for the AFL to bring exposure to the States also, man. So there's a lot going on, but he's, yeah, he's one of the most well-known people. Collingwood fans are, like I said, a bit boastful. They're in your face. They love to let you know whenever you lose. They've got a bit of a, a Collingwood chant at the end of a game. I don't know if you've ever been to a Kansas Jayhawk game where they call Rock Chalk Jayhawk yeah. at the end of the game. And it's this eerie kind of like, yeah, you get chills because it's just this intimidation thing if we just absolutely spanked you boys. Um, and Collingwood's got the same thing at the end where they just chant Collingwood in this eerie like, Collingwood. Oh. And for like at the end of the game. So once you start hearing that as an opposition, you've kind of gone, ah, shit, we've probably lost this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like a gladiator feel, I bet. It. Like the entire mm-hmm. place is like, hey, just not your day. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yes. We had a we had a warm up the bus chant. We did oh, it yeah. uh, Plum High School. Warm up the bus is a big deal. Yeah, the Florida State yeah. Seminole. Oh, 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 
fucking bird. That's awesome. Hey, uh, do you think Tommy Lynch is going to score uh, three or more goals, or do you think the first half or the second half is going to have more points in it? Has he had good training? You guys feeling hot early? How are the boots? The footies feeling good? Are we gonna are we gonna split some posts over here in the first half? You think? Or we're what? just asking because we're fans. Just at fans. Fans. You- yeah, 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 Betty. Um, yeah, so Richmond is well, Tom Lynch plays for Richmond, so I'm obviously not going to pull for him to give too many goals. Under, under. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. It doesn't say what team. It goes on. <laughs> Sorry, that's all right. That's all right. He's, he's one of the best. He's one of the best forwards in the league. He had the best odds. Um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything about them because this might get me in trouble. Um, but there is, oh look, there is what we call fantasy football here too, though. So I know fantasy football in the states, NFL, massive deal. They've got fantasy football for AFL too. So there's guys that you know, however many disposals, which is like how many touches of the football you get, um, is a certain amount of points, et cetera, et cetera. So there's people on our team like we have a guy named Steel Sidebottom. Oh. That's his legit name. Steel. Steel. Say that, Steel. Side bring bottom. that back. Yeah. Write that down. He, he Steel Sidebottom. Yeah, steel, steel side bottom. Steel yeah. Here we go, steel. Here we go. Here we go, steel. Here we go. Mr. Sidebottom, that was a hell of a fucking rocket. <laughs> I'll tell you what, steel side bottom is plus 5,000 to score three or more goals. Hammer it. He's good, huh? Steel side bottom. So disposable, disposal is how they do fantasy football because you can't do rush yards or pass yards in this whole thing. So disposal yeah. is how many times you get the rock. I would assume how many marks you get is also some points. And then if you score goals, that's also a point. Is that fantasy AFL over there? Yeah. Yeah, so it's all different different scales and different points and everything else. So people get straight into a match. Just like the back of home, you know, people will bet on all that stuff to see who many get, how many people get you know, so many disposals or whatever it is. There's also first goal. So first goal is a big bet over here. Uh, so if you kick the first goal in the game, uh, they always have like a list of people for first goal. So uh, I'm going to go first goal would be Brady Myercheck. Write that down. Brady Myercheck. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> hey, listen, if we're getting information about a sport we know nothing about that we're definitely going to gamble on, <laughs> might as well write it down. Mm-hmm. Brady Myercheck. Okay. Um, for you, Mm. Are you a relatively dra- very a draftable fantasy football player over there? Because whenever I talk about you, I say, "Hey, we got an American who's not just like in the league. Like he's not just like, uh, oh, he's a he's a player. Like this guy is an actual player." Is that? Are you at the point to be confident enough to say, like, "Yeah, I'm a pretty good player over here"? Like, is that something that you're comfortable enough with your game at this point to say? Yeah, so they, they kind of measure how good you are at AFL by how many games you play. So like you, the chances of you going through a whole season uninjured is very unlikely, to be honest, because it is such a brutal sport. A lot People of kind collisions. of come in and out of the psych squad just based on injury here and there. So it's not really – like you get injured, you go out, you come back in, you go out. Like it's not really – there's 44 girls on the list, and that's the 44 that tries to make it you know, to the end. So – it's um yeah i've played 50 odd games almost 60 games which is a pretty successful afl career there's guys that play 300 there's guys that played 400 once and this was a few years ago uh but yeah for for the average i mean most guys probably need to play you know 10 to 20 games so to be able to i think the average career is about three years and i'm sitting on my sixth year so i've had relatively Yeah, so you're a good player. 
Look, I'm not going to sit here and just talk myself up. Say you're a good player. Coxzilla just... You have to be humble in Australia. If you're not humble in Australia, they will absolutely tear you down. Fair it's called tall, tall poppy syndrome here. Fair dinkum, if you ever bro. boast about yourself, they'll cut you right down. Like yeah, it. fair dinkum, bro. Fair dinkum. Fair dinkum. Yes. Yeah. Fair dinkum, bro. Good on you, mate. Good on you. So is there a goal for you? You've played 60 games. Is there a goal? Like, hey, I'd like to get to 100, or is it just I want to get through the next four games and then we'll figure it out from there? Uh, man, if I could get to 100, 150 now, I'd be absolutely floored. It'd be amazing. So, yeah, I think there's about 20, 23 games in a season, I want to say. You play finals, you might make 26 in, the, in a year. So, if I could play 100, 150, there'd be another four years of playing every single game. So, with injuries and everything else, maybe five years, I'd be pretty damn happy with that. Uh, but hopefully more than that, man. It's sad. There's no telling, man. This guy's the limit of this whole thing. So you, love still... the, you love the sport. Oh, dude, sick. I mean, look, you've fallen in love with it. Yeah. You've got a footy with your damn name in your hand, dude. Like, yeah, it's damn right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good footy. That's me. That How good. Me. It's Look, it's it's like a little-known secret that no one knows about. And it, and it rolls around the same time as NFL's like, off-season. So this is, this is kind of like a sport for like the people that are striving for contact sport and seeing people just get laid out, you know. This is something that, like, obviously the, the time zone's a bit different and whatnot, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like a perfect interim sport for NFL fans. I agree completely. And the, you get put yourselves in predicaments to get absolutely slaughtered, too. It's like you're jumping off of people's backs and you're up in the air while people are hitting you. The hits are, you got jacked yeah. up like hits back in the day. That is with no pads either. These... These maniacs have no pads. They're flying through the sky and they are trying to kill each other while catching a ball that was made to be kicked. I mean, it is just, it's a, it is such a good sport. Can't wait to get started. Can't wait to see you back on the field. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for joining us, man. I'm, I'm hoping that the whole world notices the AFL because, man, the sport deserves it. It's been around a long time. It's a damn good one. It is a great one, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully we'll chat soon, buddy, and uh, stay safe over there. Maybe you should learn who Thomas William Sharon is then. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Hi, right, man. Six years into it, still learning the bass. <laughs> is it your kicking leg that you got hurt your knee on or no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Got to get your Tordal down so, there. Do you guys have Tordal down there? Tordal? Toradol. Uh, what's that? Toradol is like a, nah. a super anti-inflammatory that uh, we used in the NFL. I'll tell you what. I think if they gave you some Toradol, you'd be good Thursday. <laughs> Friday, though, you would not be able to walk on Friday, though. Get that thing healthy. Got a long career ahead of you. Long season for the Magpies. And uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us, brother. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you having me on. Calling Mason Cox. Yeah. 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 All right, all right, all right. If you're up early, the AFL, 5.40 a.m., Aussie Rules Football, their league, the AFL, has a massive game. Although American icon, Mason Cox, Coxzilla will not be playing. The sport is still electric. I think you should try to learn about it. I can't wait to do it. All right, we'll be back manana.
with a feel-good Friday to hopefully send you into a weekend in beautiful fashion. From all of us to you, thank you for being a part of our family here. Ty, please play some independent music.